<laughs> Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm recording. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm talking about our backup. Yeah. Because I'm always I'm recording. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Am I recording? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Here we go then. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. We have Fred. I'm back. Awesome. And we have our guest host of today, uh, Alex of MSH Helicopters. What's going on, guys? <laughs> hey, Alex. Nice. What's up? What's up? All right. This is episode number 95, Alex of MSH Helicopters. Oh, I get my own title. That's cool. You do. It is. Oh, wow. Yeah. You guys are nice. <laughs> it keeps it simple that way. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it's easier for me. To... Oh, yeah. It's the Alex episode. You uh, even get a better one than me. I got Kevin and Planks. <laughs> yeah. He, oh, wow. get his own thing. He, got, uh, he got Planks associated with it. <laughs> that's rough love with friends right there. <laughs> All right. Um, all right, so let's let's first start off with a couple of questions for Alex, just so for the folks that don't know Alex can get to know him a little. So first off, uh, how long have you been in the hobby? Oh man, it's gonna it's gonna age me, I guess. Uh, I guess it's not super long, but it's pretty long now. I guess uh, officially eight years. I started uh, like the beginning of two thousand nine. It was like Christmas two thousand eight. Uh, I decided to buy a sim. And uh, a Blade 400, pretty much. And, and uh, you know, went downhill from there. Got myself some training gear. And at the local park, I was, you know, this is the old fly bar with the piezo gyro Blade 400. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys have a fond memory of that thing. So the tail's always drifting. So yeah, uh, I, I, I started out there and uh, just kept going, I guess. Kept finding more things to do and kept having more fun. So, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, officially eight years. Probably three years ago, I lost that. Oh, I haven't been in that long. So now I have to kind of admit it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, do you only fly helicopters or do you also fly uh, planks and multi-rotors? Planks is not a nice word, is it? Is it officially a nice word? Or is that the derogatory name for fixed wing for heli guys? I don't know. It kind of goes <laughs> both ways. If, if yeah. you know, if, if you're a, a helicopter guy, I call them planks because that's kind of the general term we use. If you're a plane guy, I don't call it planks. I call it planes. But yeah, so I feel I mean I, I like the word planks, but I feel like it's like semi derogatory. So I kind of I can't. What do you think, Fred? You're the more the plane guy. I, I'm I'm really thinking about not being part of this this uh, derogatory type podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you, you piss them off by calling it planks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, oh, mostly because I associate it with Kevin. You know, Kevin and planks. <laughs> it's hard to actually <laughs> piss. Uh, Fred off, so yeah, I well, can tell. <laughs> we could rename the episode "Floridians in Planks," and uh, maybe <laughs> there go. Fred would be pissed. I don't know. Then you, you can get rid of all your listeners, and you'll be all good. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we haven't yet? People, people only hate Florida in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So the the question. So uh, I I I do like to fly a fixed wing, but I don't do it often. I think. Uh, you know, most of my obsession with RC has been helis because I've just find, found so much stuff to do with it. Uh, you know, from the flying side, which you know, I keep trying to learn to fly, and the the you know building side, and then you know then got more into the design side, the flight control systems, and right. you know all that stuff. So I just like I kept jumping deeper down the rabbit hole as my hobby went on. 
and like I just I kept finding really interesting things to do. So I, I never really got bored with it. Somehow, you know, most at some some point in some hobby, usually you're like, okay, you know, this I'm getting kind of sick of this. Uh, I used to do like uh, golfing. I used to do like uh, billiards. Uh, you know, I, I was like real. I've always been like super into the hobby I'm I'm into. Like I go all in, and right. uh, you know, those kind of faded for me. But somehow, like Helly's has been just like a real like burning fun thing for me. I don't, I hate to use the word burning because that's to happen too, but <laughs> I never used it, never used the burn word you know, before a flight. Uh, but uh, no, but I just always had like a, a really strong desire with helis. And I think it's just, I've been fortunate uh, with who I've been able to work with. Uh, I'm, you know, my, my background is electrical engineering. So, uh, you know, I've managed to work with people that allowed me to, to participate in that capacity. And I think that's, that's where most of my relationships have come from in the hobby. It's, you know, all, all the different companies I've worked with in the past is because I had a, a love for the engineering side and I'd love to contribute there. Uh, and I've managed, you know, not, not that I'm a, like a great pile or anything, but like I can break stuff. So I would manage to break <laughs> everything constantly. And uh, and then I would have a lot of ideas on, hey, I don't, you know, on the on the flight control stuff or the airframe stuff. And uh, and I, I tend to have a, also like a, a pretty good knack about I'm not a marketing guy. I'm a total engineer, but I have a really good knack about marketing and uh, what works, what doesn't, you know, what guys like. And part of that is my, you know, I've been for a long time really into the forums and just just talking with guys. So I'm, I'm pretty deep in knowing what's going on all the time. That's a lot of fun, too. Right, right. Nice. Awesome. So for better or worse sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's OK. I'm OK with yeah. the worst part sometimes. Sure. But yeah. <laughs> I comes to the territory and I don't mind it. I like I love helping guys and, you know, sometimes doesn't always work out in your favor and that's cool too so nice so what got you interested in the hobby what kind of sparked your interest so yeah i mean i think um so the beginning of it was i was i was really golfing a lot uh, mm-hmm. back in like before 2008 this is before i had any uh kids mm-hmm. um or like uh my first was born in june 2008 so um you know that that happened and i was like you know i really don't want to like golf anymore because it was like five hours on the on the weekend if i played one or two rounds like you're right my wife used to golf with me that's not going to happen when you've got a baby and i was like you know i like i i used to love rc uh just when i was really young like you know 11 12 i used to fly some uh, nitro planes with my father and uh so i was just looking around the web thinking about rc and i saw the helis and that you know being more of a mechanical thing uh, sparked my interest. And you know how it is for all of us when you first see it. It's all big learning curve. And, yeah. uh, and oh, yeah. that, that immediately attracted me. I like, I like things that are really difficult and hard. Like that for me, it's, I'm, I'm not intimidated by that. You know, I, I like that mountain. And so I think the mountain to climb on the heli has really captured my, my interest. And so, uh, you know, I, uh, even the, actually right before I got the blade 400, I did get, um, um, one of those horrible, I forgot the brand of it, Walkeras. Sorry, Walkera guys. I don't, I don't mean to pick on your heli, but uh, <laughs> I, bought, I bought one of those things. I can't remember the model anymore. The old fixed pitch one? It was fixed pitched and, uh, you know, took it up in my backyard and just like rammed it, you know, killed it two flights in, it was done. So, yeah, I've got uh, video of mine doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, yeah. And, and I love that. I was like, wow, I really suck at this. And, you know, that's really cool. And so uh, that's what sparked me to dig a little bit, scratch the surface, find RC groups at that time. Later, you know, not maybe a month later, I found uh, Heli Freaks. That's why, if you look at like when I started Heli Freaks, it was like 2009. So I think it was literally four weeks from there to there. And in RC groups at that time, Blade 400 was like the big thread. Everyone was like getting that Heli. 
you know, oh yeah, you got to replace the servos, you know, with the high techs and you got to mm-hmm. like get the Futaba, you know, gyro on it and all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, so I'm like, okay. So I like, I started doing all that stuff and I, I just really liked it. I liked how hard it was and I liked the, the sim aspect. So it just fit into my lifestyle at that point to where I could, you know, do all the stuff with the family and then run out and get a couple flights and kind of have this hobby that really engaged me, entertained me, but like not, not have to like put a solid five hours together. And so, uh, I think it just fit my lifestyle at that point and I, and I liked the difficulty. So I think that was the main thing. Uh, and it just kept snowballing from there. Like I got really into flying that first year. I bought a, uh, a Protos 500, coincidentally, uh, <laughs> back back then that that was like the model, um, uh, yeah, 2009 because it was just, everybody loved it and uh, you know it was kind of like the thing to get and so I bought one of those with the fly bar uh, and it wasn't until like a year later that you know the the early uh, V bars were out uh, mm-hmm. that I I decided to convert it to like a, a V bar I think back then it was it even it was the black ones was it even 4.0 back then I don't know if it even oh, pre no. 4.0 but it, you know, it was a lot more difficult to use back then, but that was really fun. And that, I think that's part of what hooked me was the, you know, the technology combination. Cause that's my background. I was really interested in it and I thought a lot of stuff wasn't great yet. And so, you know, you uh-huh. see the potential and, and at that, in that time, like there was tons of guys around me flying helicopters. Uh, and so I had, I had like met up with them. Most of them are gone now from the hobbies, still a few left. Um, but and there were some really good pilots back then that uh, I started posting a bunch on Helifreak, and he's he's still an admin I think on Helifreak, but he's long gone, gotten to you know bikes and girls. But uh, <laughs> this happens mm-hmm. to all young pilots, right? There's like yeah. young yeah. pilots are great, and then they find you know, they find this other stuff, and it's like ah, I don't know about helis anymore. They're not cool. Um, right. But he was at the time I think is Chris uh, Hansen, and he was like I think 15 at the time, uh-huh. and. Uh, you know, he was a very good 3D pilot. Very, very good. I mean, doing like, you know, aerobatic autos and just really solid 3D um, guy. And so I was like, wow. And so, you know, he kind of mentored me and he was really, really, really strong at like auto rotations. And so that's, he's actually the guy that uh, very early fostered my love of auto. So it wasn't nice. long was trying to auto the Protos 500 like crazy. And mm-hmm. right away, I bought like a T-Rex 600. That was my next one. And, uh, you know, like, was was just flying the 600 size and the smaller ones at that point uh and so you know all it just you know it, was, it has some really good guys around me and, and silicon valley i live in silicon valley um had some really good fields at that time most of them have been gone or burned down by some heli guy and uh since then <laughs> so <laughs> no comment uh yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, but uh yeah it's a, that's still a sad story from a year ago but um but yeah, so, you know, we would meet up a lot and, and right around a year in the hobby, uh, I met a family. Um, this is kind of what got me really hooked. I'm, you asked the questions of my long yeah. answer, but, um, this guy approached me, uh, his name was Mark Gittin and he had a 10 year old kid named Jacob Gittin who was just getting interested. They were flying like, uh, some, uh, fixed wing stuff, some wings and a lot. And, uh, you know, his son had become really interested in helis. And so like, I think a year in, I was really, you know, trying to fly a lot and simming a lot. So I was like getting into some little bit of Pyro 3D at that point. And, uh, you know, so they looked at me like, Hey, can we like fly with you? My son wants to learn. Can you help? And, you know, I'm like, sure, that'd be great. So this, I mean, so I don't know if you remember who Jacob is. He's been dropped out of the hobby now for a couple of years, but, uh, within a year he had won Ian at Urcha. 
So he went and did the back then they had the amateur mm-hmm. competition at Urcha. He wins it and then gets a full factory sponsorship in the Kato, like that same wow. year. Jeez. And he was the youngest uh pilot uh, ever that Nakato had brought on at eleven. Uh at full as a full factory, like not you know, right. not not a representative, like full factory pilot. And uh it was just the most incredible ride at that point forward in the hobby for the next five years because he you know, immediately got to the masters. Like it was maybe a year later, he was at XFC at 12, uh, and, and did pretty good for his first time there. And his, his technicality was just always blew me away. And every time I would hang out with him, it might be a couple of weeks. We go fly 15 Mm -hmm. new maneuvers. I've never seen anybody do. He was that creative. Right. And and you know how how he flying gets stagnant, right? You see the same maneuver. Kind of plateau. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd see him, it'd be something totally different. And uh, that really, you know, he would do like 20 things and there might be one I could possibly attempt. Because, um, I mean, at that point already, a year and a half in, everything was reversing. Everything was very technical. Yeah. His maneuvers became very difficult to to try to, you know, emulate. Um, but you would always have one that was just really cool, but not super difficult. So I'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe I could try that. And uh I really miss flying with him now because I feel like my flying is totally stale. So, like all all his originality, you know, just totally yeah. inspired me. Um, but you you fly he, with Jesse now. He is he got some cool tricks under his, you know, yeah, hat too for sure. Yeah, and actually, his priority is school. So, uh, sure. you know, so he's you know he's a mechanical engineering student. Mm-hmm. And so okay. you know, during the summer he's got time to fly, but uh, yeah. during the year it's you know, priority of school, which is great. So, um, but he's another, he's in the the area and he's super technical. Right. And, uh, and so we're both similar. We love to fly and we're technical. So we have a lot of fun playing with new toys. So nice. Cool. Um, so, so what do you do for a living? Uh, well, so, so that's a, it's it's another long question. So I'm an electrical engineer. So I, Uh I, I, you know, primarily design like gigantic circuit boards and, uh, very like high speed networking sort of stuff. Okay. So, uh, you know, like a, a board with like 10,000 components on it, that costs $50,000 is like something I would work on. Right. So that, mm-hmm. you know, that's something I've been doing since college. So, uh, I love it cause it's, it's one of those things, you know, you get like a project that's so brutally complex, you know, you're going to fail. So it's the battle trying to make it actually right. work. So, so, you know, that's just something I like. So, um, so there's that. Um, and then, uh, uh, was it two and a half years ago? Uh, I, I started MSH USA, and even uh, like five years prior to that, I, I've been like one of the one of the engineers fun, fundamentally uh, at MSH uh, uh, because, like, from the very beginning, uh, the history of MSH really goes back to when the brain first came out. I don't know. If, I think it was circa 2011, 12. I think maybe 11. I don't know if you guys remember when it first came out. Uh, there was like videos of. Tariq flying it, and I think mm-hmm. even Bert back then was behind it. Uh, and uh, you know, it was like VBAR had has been had been the main thing. I think BSX and Skookum had hit the scene. Yeah, and then Brain came out, and so I was just really intrigued. I, I, like since the beginning, I like I try everything. I like I've I, I try a lot of different airframes, a lot of different flight control systems, ESCs. Like that's part of the fun for me is experimentation. So uh, you know, right away I bought a, a Brain back then mm-hmm. and uh first thing i did being being alex back then uh is write like 90 things on the forums that you know i thought should be changed <laughs> so it's <laughs> like hey why do you guys do this i really didn't like this hey what's it doing this in flight and i found this thing 
And I think, you know, probably in their heads are like, holy crap, like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait, one at a <laughs> time, please. It's <laughs> like not good, you know, or whatever the reaction was. And so uh, they had contacted me, like, hey, do you want to like help us test this? I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. And uh, back then I was already doing like some development work with uh, Spectrum and Skookum. I was like on the Skookum beta team back then. And so I already been having, you know, some years of fun doing a lot of uh, development on other systems. So, you know, they asked and I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. So uh, that was kind of the, the point where I started just working with them for fun on this stuff. And uh, from there, um, I think it was 2012, they asked me to be like a, a factory pilot. And this is right when the, um, the, the Protoss V1 700 came out. Yeah. And they sent me uh, that, that heli finally. I think it, it took like an extra two years for it to come out or something. It took, it, took, it seemed to be delayed forever. And uh, I got it. And back then, and I, I'm a lot less like that now, but like I was just like the destroyer of models. <laughs> like not in a good way, but I was like, I had a Fusion 50 back then and I counted. I had like 73 tail gear strips in that thing. Wow, so I was just geez. like, you know, just ripping on stuff, high head speeds, over speeds, like just you know, like ripping the tail around and, you know, I had, a, I had a lot of fun. I was very, I just, I loved hammering on stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I was tough on stuff, which like good for testing. And so, uh, uh -huh. they sent me the model and within three flights, like I blew up the one way bearing on it. And, uh, after every 20 flights, the belt was slipping and I, I was blowing up idler bearings and it just wasn't like, it wasn't, it had so many great design features on it, but it, it uh -huh. like it had some real big fundamental flaws and, um, and so, you know, I, I think it was at that point where, uh, you know, I gave that feedback to them and it was, that was kind of the point to where I started helping drive a lot of the initial design. Nice. Um, so, uh, and that's where the, the V2 came from. So when I mean, you're working with them really like, Hey, let's just focus on making the absolute best helicopter we know how to make and not mm -hmm. hold on to any preconceived conception that it must have one belt. Like who cares? Right. And, yeah. and strength with msh with it, which i think differentiates it from a lot of companies which makes it a lot of fun for me is they're really have mastered mixed composites and i don't really think you see many other companies with the ability they have to to, to the way they use different kinds of plastics and the way they use uh, carbon fiber is really different um and mm -hmm. so i don't know if you've ever seen the machines even back in the protos 500 and, and the reason is uh david is one of the principal mechanical designers he you know he goes back his family for i don't know like 20 years, 30 years, his own uh, uh, molding company in Italy. And so his, his whole like uh, upbringing in, in, you know, in his, in his professional career was molding um, and composites and, and mastering that stuff. So that was all applied to helicopters. So that's why you see the, the MSH stuff is never just like a standard carbon fiber, aluminum design. It's got all these mixed composites, um, to you know, basically optimize anything like that makes sense to do it, mm -hmm. um, whether it's strength or it's weight or it's reduction of parts uh, okay. or st or it's style. So you know, it's one of those really cool things that kind of gives you like a huge palette of what to right, do. Right, right. Yeah, and we'll go more into the MSH brand itself and yeah. some uh, questions more, um, you know, specific for the brand. But um, so besides obviously MSH, <laughs> are you sponsored by any other companies? Oh, uh, well, so, um, I'm not, I actually, you know, I would call myself a sponsor pilot at this point in my, my, uh, heli career. There was a time when, uh, I had sponsorships. I mean, I do have, have companies I really like, and because I own you know, a business, you know, mm -hmm. it's like once you're effectively, you know, on, uh, the other side, I, I, right? on the other side, it's like, right. you know, it's the same thing. I mean, yeah, like 
I guess in, in some respect, I'm a, a, a factory pilot in a way for MSH. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a pro. I can fly. Okay. But, um, oh, I think I, you fly I, really well. Uh, well. Thanks. I'm trying to hold the torch for the real old guy, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's like, uh, but you know, it's the, the, the factory pilot kind of belong to the young, in my opinion, you know, mm-hmm. those guys are that are, that are just extremely captivating, like the Jesse's and those guys. Right. And you know, they, right. they're just, they, they're just at another level. And I think there's a point in your, uh, after, and I, my guess is it's as you cross the age of 25, not that you can't be a, a really great pilot later in life, but it seems like the crossover is like 25 where, you know, you have realistic fears about dying while you're flying. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you just can't fly like Duncan. You can't, not that you could, if you, if you tried every single day, I don't, I still think it's maybe not possible because, you know, the, the, uh, the processing speed of your brain does change sure. over time. But and like just, doesn't but just the the, mm-hmm. the fearlessness that you have, the same reason that uh, you know your, your insurance changes when you cross twenty five, right? You just don't see fear the same way. You don't process it the same way. Sure. Uh, I think that is some that's what holds us back for, in some ways from going crossing that edge to like awesomeness, right? Not that you can't be incredibly awesome past that, but it's like, could you go and compete on the world stage and? I, I, we've yet to ever see it. Not, and you could argue, okay, well, guy's got a job. He can't practice that much, but I don't know. I, I mean, having flown with Jacob all those years, he, mm-hmm. he had all his priorities, right? He barely practiced and he was at a competitive level. Like it was just wow. very easy for him. Right. I mean, he, he literally would leave on vacation, come back and at age 11, do perfect reversing pyro flips on the deck. And, and we had just learned left rudder pyro flips. Right. right? So like it, his brain was processing stuff that quickly. I mean, it's like learning a language when you're young versus learning one, you know, in your thirties. It's just sure. a totally different thing. So, but um, what was the question again? <laughs> Are you sponsored? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we can move on from that. Oh, because, oh you sponsors. Know. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sponsor. Uh, so, um, so yeah. So part of it is like I, I'm, I really love the hobby, and so I like uh-huh. supporting uh, companies that drive the technology, and I, and I, t- I tend to avoid the ones that don't. I think just as a, at a personal level, being an engineer, you know, that's important to me. And it's not that uh, companies I don't work with don't do that. It's just the ones I, I, I end up working with, uh, tend to do that and maybe give me a couple cents to give my opinion. Right. Sure. Um, and so, uh, like expert is one of those companies, like they're really pushing like the technology of the, the servo driver. You know, it's almost like a full ESC in there. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot more intelligent than any servo I've hit before. And, uh, you know, you have direct access to the design team. If you give input like about, okay, you know, I think you should do a less expensive version, you know, of this or that. And then they listen and they, they talk to you and that, you know, they just really uh, impressed me. And then I started flying their servos, really liked them. And then like, just like recently, Kyle Dahl uh, was, was, you know, playing around with them. And he had input about uh, the profile of how they stop and start. Like, you know, to him, the way they start and stop wasn't quite right. So he gave them input and then they gave him new yeah. firmware. Like what, what happened? Well, they, they got a new servo out of it. Like a new, it's the same f- functional servo, but different software on their, what's right. fundamentally a speed controller inside the servo. Uh-huh. And so that really impressed me. So, uh, yeah, like that. And so, yeah, so, and, and that's also one of the things with MSH USA, the stuff that uh, we sell, I tend to really like and support. So I'm, I, I was never trying to build a complete hobby shop. I was really just trying to uh, get behind brands I really believed in. So, uh, you know, that's stuff we mainly focus on. Uh, and then X, X Nova is another one. Um, really like the guys at X Nova. They they really listen. Uh, you know they're they're trying to 
to you know look at motors and, and innovate and improve the cooling and uh, look at that. So just like I mean, and Scorpion's the same way. It just turns out I, the relationships I had uh, were with Exnova, and uh, and you know that's what happened. But um, and so yeah, and Scorpion would be another example. I'm not sponsored or anything with them, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I really like how the Tribuna CSC is is pushing technology in a really oh, positive, yeah. and they're really focused on helis. And you know, I don't, I don't. It's not that I, I dislike ESCs. I try to do all the different. Like, who can blame them, right? Like volumes, but uh, Scorpion. You know, George loves uh, helis, and so he really focused on making it the best helicopter ESC. And so there was a point where I just like uh, I really appreciated it. And I swapped out like five ESCs, just put Tribunus in because I, you know I, I liked it and uh, I thought it was better than everything else. And I just you know so you know I tend to just like find my path that way, I guess. Oh, awesome. uh, and then with the Jetty stuff, I'm not like you know I, I, like the Jetty very early on realized uh, integration was important with uh-huh. you know multiple different flight control systems and this was at a time like we started talking about integration with brain four years ago you know three years ago and uh jetty was like the only one that was very interested in, in having their platform be open uh and all the other uh transmitters out there were just completely shut down with the idea and you know i would like talk with them have conversations i'm like well really and this was after this was like the post v control era right which i guess uh-huh. is three years old now four yeah three I don't remember now, but it was just maybe, you know, like that six months after it hit the market where it's like, oh, it's, you know, well, they clearly did a big innovation here. Um, this is the future for, you know, for, for stuff with flight control systems. And Jetty was very open to it. And so, uh-huh. you know, that really impressed me. And now what you've seen happen is support for you know, integration appeared. And then the other manufacturers like woke up and saw market share, at least in our our. I mean, our market is very small compared to other RC, but they saw market share dropping, but also they saw it maybe happening in other RC areas too, as time goes on. So, uh, it's, it's opened up, you know, for like Gropner and, you know, of course you've got open TX and you've got, uh, well, spectrum was a surprise to spectrum. They didn't know they had, an, they could do integration, but yeah. that was a fun, we surprised them with that. But, uh, doesn't it make sense to integrate? Uh, I mean, somewhat, I mean, why would they be opposed to doing it? Why would spectrum not want to integrate is, yeah. It's, not that, it's not that they were opposed. I think it's all about priorities. So, you know, you have yeah. a, you have an engineering team, and you're basically looking at where the revenue is in the market. Sure. Okay, is it FPV? Is it fixed wing? And then you focus your products to capture as much of that market as you can, right? And so, when they're looking at helis, and they say, well, I mean, you know, Spectrum is still like you know, eighty percent of the transmitters in our heli market, but that eighty percent to them is maybe you know, eight percent of their total RC market. Right. Oh, so, so when they look at yeah. that, like, well, I can take this engineer and f- have him focus on FPV and I can take this engineer, and have him focus on, you know, the next generation of DX, whatever. Um, do I really want to put a guy on, on doing all this major rearchitecture of our software? Because that's what it would take to mm-hmm. al- allow the integration. Right. What happened with us was we saw that um, their latest version of Airware, uh, they added a, a new telemetry feature for some other units out there where they could just have clear text transmitted. Right, so you could take any device and just send any text you wanted. And so uh, Rick is uh, the so- one of the software developers for Brain. Uh, Rick's like, "Wow, I could turn this into integration. It was a really great idea." And so you know, we rushed to to make this happen. So basically, uh, because the interface itself can't do integration, we use the sticks to do it. So the sticks, uh, if you've ever seen it now, you use the actual you know, flying sticks to to move maneuver through the menus. And then basically, uh, the brain is transmitting the menu itself uh, for the integration. 
right? It's the, the menu is not actually part of the of the operating system. Okay. So it's using that clear clear text uh, in, uh, telemetry option, um, and so uh, you know, and it made it completely functional and work uh, for guys that had you know basically a hundred and twenty dollar transmitter. Uh, and so for us, it was a really big innovation in the last year because it opened up the door for guys that just didn't want to spend 700 or more uh, on a transmitter capable of integration, like the jetties or the, the V controls. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so to us, I think that's if I had to think about for MSH, what was the biggest innovation this year? I would I would say that because it brought that part of the hobby to all these guys that, oh, I already have what I need. I don't need to go spend seven hundred dollars like you know, these guys with these you know $700 yeah. transmitters. Just leave me alone now. No, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sponsors to <laughs> spectrum integration, cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you can always uh, cut me off. No, no, no. It's cool <laughs> because a lot of the stuff you're talking about, we're going to be talking about further, okay. anyways. Um, okay, cool. So, what's in your fleet? You know, what what do you currently yeah. have flying models of? Oh man, it's almost embarrassing how much I've got. Uh, uh, okay, give me a second. I got to think. Okay, so I've got. Um, <laughs> We've got time, so I won't rush. Okay, so I've got um, I've got a, a Protoss Evolutione Leggero 770. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's a it's a Protoss 770, but the Evolutione is that very sleek aerodynamic uh, canopy and carbon fiber boom with Ooh, no supports. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it's got the the 770 boom, which can fit like up to 790 millimeter on it. It's a pretty you know it's pretty decent. Wow. And it's got it's got the uh, Tariq 50XX monster motor on it. Yeah, the, I think it's the 450 kV, uh, and it's got a, a Hobby Wing 160, and I run 14s on it, and I call it like the teleportation machine. <laughs> it's uh, it's super, and I've got uh, right now I've got Rotor Tech 760s on it, but I've also flown the Alliance 780s. But uh, I mean, it's just got like endless power and like like stupid disc loading. Um, so, and I'll run it at 2,000 RPM down to 1,000 RPM, where it's just like you know silent. Um, so it's it's. Right really fun for like dynamic flying i really enjoy that uh that challenge in the hobby where you know you mix up a flight to like super low head speed to like uh-huh. you know, insane and you know can you make the whole flight coherent and interesting that's like a, a fun challenge um so that's one of them i've got um two protos ligeros like all set up for like very lightweight so you know they're like 11.7 pounds something like that and they have uh the Tribunus on it. Uh, they've got uh, 4525s, and I run uh, VTX 697s on those. Nice. Uh, and uh, 115 tail blades. The the ratio is 4.7, but I like running the 115s because, like, why not? Uh, sure. And uh, there's no there's no resonance problems or anything, so mm-hmm. it just freaking holds. And even in overspeeds, you don't hear any resonance, so it's like it's kind of like silly fun. Kind of, mm-hmm. so I've always I've always run 115s on my on my maxes, uh, so I've got two of those like set up identical, uh, and and you know those are the ones I probably crash the most like trying stupid stuff and, uh, but I, I would say 90 percent of my crashes are attempting insane auto rotations that I shouldn't be trying, <laughs> so, so nice. <laughs> I, that's my crash ratio now, uh, so I've got that and then I've got a uh, Evolutione 700, mm-hmm. and so that's like the 770 but it's like red instead of yellow. And I'm running a similar power system because of the bigger canopy and the boom. It's a little bit heavier. I think that one comes in at like 12.4 pounds. Uh, and I run uh, VTX 717 on that. And that thing's insane, super fast and fun. Uh, and I run it at like 2150 and it's like it scares me how fast it is. Um, and that's actually one reason why I like the smaller blades, the VTX, because like it's still insanely fast. 
but it's not like scary fast. But once I put the seven seventeens on, it's like it, it freaking scares me. It's so fast. Um, so I've got that, and then I've got uh, three Veloses. Wow! Wait, <laughs> yeah. three Veloses? Three, well, I call them Veli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plural of Velos uh, Veli. Uh, <laughs> And that's, uh, that's a long story because, um, I think it was like four urches ago back then I was, I was flying for heli direct. Uh huh. Um, and I still was, you know, I was doing work with MSH back then too, but, um, and, uh, they were helping out, uh, this guy, Eris, who's basically had this dream, his childhood dream to build this gigantic, you know, 900 helicopter. And so I went to that urcha. I'm trying to remember which year it was. Was it 2013 or 14? Maybe 2013, where the Velos uh-huh. was shown, like, just the airframes not flying. Right. And so I went there. And so even back then, I had been helping HeliDirect a lot, like, evaluate new airframes and, like, you know, just engineering stuff. And so they were they had, they introduced me to Eris. And uh, it turned out, uh, and I met Eris and his partner. And it turned out his partner, um, like, knew some of the people I knew because he was, like, a PhD grad at Stanford. So, like, we we were, like... Uh, I'm not a PhD, don't worry. <laughs> but, but he was like in a in similar circles of people that worked at my company. So like I'm like we kind of knew we were like second degree, kind of knew each other. It was really interesting. And he was like a, a big data guy. I think he's like in, his startup was insanely successful. So he had like insane money, and so he was like you know driving this dream to build this this helicopter uh, through his childhood friend. Right. And that's where like Velos was born. And so they basically gave me one of those early prototypes at that Urcha. And said, "Can you help?" And so I, I got the, I got to do the first 3D flight on the Velos. Like wow! That. Wow! So if you, if you go to my, uh, if you go to my YouTube account, go back all those years, like it's, uh, whatever on the Snap one, uh-huh. um, you, and you go back, you'll see the very first time I posted a Velos 3D. Uh, and I, I think when I made that video, literally, I was standing behind a metal post. <laughs> I just in I, case. <laughs> I didn't know. What it was, I mean, that was the first time. You know, 850 millimeter blades, two motors. Right. And just going yeah. out and trying to and spanking it, right? Right, right. Uh, and I tried like 2,000 RPM on that thing. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. Um, but that was really fun. I think I was probably one of the most fun times in my hobby because like that, if you went to that Urcha, like he shocked Urcha with this machine. It was like the big buzz there. Everyone wanted to come see it. Oh, and I like yeah, yeah. got to go home with it. And so then yeah. the <laughs> the year after I came to Urcha and I was the pilot. And so I, I flew it in all the uh, center stage demos. And so, uh, so, you know, I ended up like collecting some VLI. So, uh, so I still have, uh, I still have them and like, I keep asking for it. We don't have, uh, it's four servo swash. Mm-hmm. And so we are going to support for four servo swash on brain sometime, but you know, it, it hasn't materialized yet. So I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm not, f- so why does it have four servos? Is that your question? No, 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 no. I was going to ask, uh, so what do you fly on it then? So it's got a, a V bar and a V bar control on it right now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like I said, I own every system out there. So, cause like, you know, I, I love tinkering. Right. So, uh-huh. um, and you know, I like to pretend I know what I'm talking about sometimes. So it's like, it's good to try everything. Right. I can't have a legitimate opinion or understand the weaknesses of the stuff I'm, I'm developing without really trying everything. Sure. So like I have, it's really fun to just grab one of everything and, and tinker with it and see what, Oh, that's really cool. Or, Oh, why are they doing that? Or be shocked how, you know, Oh, that flies bad or that flies good. Right. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I mean, you know, if you have the the patience and money to burn, it's like a really money. interesting, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really interesting thing to play with. Like, you know, and, and airframes too. I've tried a lot of stuff. I've owned like maybe 12 different 700s over time. 
like different brands, uh, just yep. experiencing all of them, you know, just to see hey, what's good, what's bad. So just like you, Steve. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now, trying to try all the different brands. Yeah, it's really fun, and and you know, and and you're supporting these companies in a sense, right? I mean, you're trying their stuff. You're, sure, I'm you know. supporting the credit card companies too. Very yeah, much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're getting your rate down. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've got that. What else do I uh-huh. have in my fleet? Anything else worth mentioning? I've got oh, I've got two Protos 380s. Yeah, let's say uh, you gotta have some 380s. <laughs> yeah, and I've got one that's right now experimentally stretched as a 420. Okay. Um, and uh, and which actually anyone can do if you want to mess around with it, but there's only one blade choice out there at the moment. But because uh, it's like a, a narrow cord that you really need, um, so right. like Sob Sob makes like the only narrow cord 420 blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that thing, you know, like, what really shocked me about it is like it's so fun to do auto rotations on it. So uh, I posted a video on my YouTube if you ever get seriously bored and you want to watch a little heli do auto rotations. But I did a, a video with it where I'm just like doing inverted autos and it just like floats. So it's like I, it's like the ultimate auto trainer because it's so it's so small and light really? that it just bounces if you if you mess up. It's got the the grill gear on it, so mm-hmm. uh, so much fun. So a couple other team guys saw me messing with it, so they converted theirs also. And then it runs in like stealth whisper mode. You can run because it's like like ridiculously light with those blades on it. Um, it like you can run like, like super super low RPM, like you know nineteen hundred two thousand. Right, like that way down there, uh, and the tail holds good enough, so you can like do like 3D with a 1800 pack. I mean, it's like I don't know how long, like, forever. It seems I have to land. I just like I can't fly <laughs> that long. Right. Um, so it's super fun in that config because it's just so floaty. It's also great uh, with the with the 380 blades at low head speed, but like it's like ridiculous feather with a with a stretch. So yeah, not to, yeah, but something to play with anyway. Awesome. Uh, and then I've got some micro stuff nobody cares about. Uh, uh, no oxy twos. It's something I've, I've thought about playing with. I, I love uh, Luca's work. He's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I thought about trying it too. But then I like, you know. Oh, and then I forgot Protos Nitros. I have two of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so don't want to forget that those poor guys. So now yeah. I've got uh, yeah two Protos Nitro prototypes right now. That uh, and then one I have a third that I dismantled uh, that we were flying prior to Urcha. And then um, for me, I really wanted to do something special for Urcha because. One of, one of the, the big things for me in Urcha, the spirit of Urcha, is to, to show up and be like surprised with something totally new. And mm-hmm. I feel like it has happened in years there now. And so uh, you know, we decided to surprise everybody and, and show the Protoss Nitro there. So yeah. uh, so we, we went and built two of these prototypes uh, just in time for Urcha, basically. We were like scrambling the two weeks before to get them, get them done. And like things like having a finished canopy was a real challenge on a, on a short schedule. But, um, but yeah, uh, so Protos Nitro. So yeah, but basically the last, uh, 18 months of my life has been burning endless amounts of nitro. <laughs> nice. It's awesome. not a bad thing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. To, to the point to where I was literally researching the effect of getting nitromethane on your skin. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so like now I wear rubber gloves and I handle the stuff because like, I don't, you know, I don't want any extra exposure to it. Cause I think it's actually like a cumulative chemical. Like the yeah. more you're exposed to it, your body doesn't process it that fast. So like you need to like not have it touch your skin. So yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. hundred gloves, six bucks. Not, not a bad investment. Right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's move on to how everyone week bit. I know my section is going to be a little bit long because I'm going to talk about Virginia to fall mow down. But um, so I don't know. Kevin or Fred, you want to go first? Huh? huh? Yeah. You want to go, Fred? 
Sure. Yeah, go for it. Well, I, I've been away for weeks, not just a week. And uh, part of that was due to the fact that I was voluntold to go down to South Florida to help with some of the hurricane cleanup in the uh, parks down there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't get a whole lot of flying over the, the last little bit. Um, apparently, I did volunteer to help set up a local club. Uh, there's a guy in the area that's trying to get a new field started and needed some nice. additional names on the charter. So I was added to that. What's your, hey, cool. What are you? I don't know. Huh? Uh, he said, hey, do you want to help volunteer to get the club started? I said, okay. And he said, I need your name and your AMA number. And that's the last I heard of it. Uh, <laughs> now, on the good news, I did get my B-26 and the Dynam that um, they just yeah. recently came out with. So it's sitting nice. on the dining room table. My wife's not really pleased about it, but uh, that's where it sits. Wait, wait, wait. Why is it in the dining room table when you have a big workshop the, dedicated uh, to... Big, big sh- workshop is in um, disarray at the moment. Uh since I've not been able to get in there to do any work over the summer since, you know, mm-hmm. work and other real work has been just crazy stuff just kind of goes in and stacks higher and higher and higher. So there's a, definitely a cleaning day required before I can do any more work in there. Mm, okay. So dude, did you run into any problems down there? I mean, I saw some pictures of snakes you were coming across and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's no worse than, than here. Um, snakes alligators uh the none of that stuff really bothered me it didn't it didn't it didn't make me too nervous what what scared me was apparently in south florida it's kind of like australia where everything wants to kill you or hurt you Um, (laughs) there's a tree down there it's called poison wood now not to be confused with poison ivy apparently this stuff is even more evil it's uh the oils in it are so toxic if you walk underneath one of these things in a rainstorm the oil will come down with the raindrops and get on you and give you your rash. Um, two thirds oh, the way, geez. yeah, two thirds the way through my trip. Apparently, I got into some of the stuff. I was working with a chipping crew, so we're touching everything. You couldn't take the time to slow down and pick through and say, "Okay, yeah, that stuff looks like it's the bad stuff." You right. just grabbing it and throwing it in the chipper. We're trying to get rid of all this stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it must get on my gloves. And every time I wipe the sweat off my face or neck, oh no, oh, oh. yeah. So I was blistered up. I mean, I had the the poison rash stuff all over my arms, mm-hmm. which wasn't as bad because I get poison ivy on my arms fairly regular. So that didn't that wasn't as bad. But my face, my nose, my neck, my ears, everywhere yeah, I touched yeah. my hands. Oh yeah, it it was nasty. Oh, wow. Boy. That that was the highlight to the adventure. That's a big thank you, Fred, for coming down and helping. <laughs> Well, that was the funny thing is we're, we're working on this one big tree and, and it's, it's oozing this white sap, which apparently that could have been what got me. Uh-huh. It's this gummy, you know, just nasty. Apparently it was either the fig tree or or uh, a ficus tree. I don't know. Something. When it when you cut it, it, it was literally just oozing out this white sap. It looked like Elmer's glue. And uh, one of the guys is like, oh, well, they wouldn't let us cut it if, you know, it was something that was going to be bad for us. I'm like, are you kidding <laughs> They want us to cut it, and we're going to be gone in two days. They won't have to worry about explaining to why we're all beat up with a rash. So, yeah. No, they, they weren't going to warn us, and apparently, yeah. After the fact, they said, yeah, that might have got you. Wow. Jeez. All right. Kevin, your turn. All right, man. Uh, I really didn't get a chance to do much. I wish I could have made the event down in Virginia that 
Steve went to, but I uh, had some family stuff to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, just good stuff. I mean, my, my mother-in-law turned 80 and we had a nice. huge party. Awesome. And she's still it's 80 to, to me now, 80 and 90. I mean, I know I'm getting up there. <laughs> I'm getting up there. I'm 50, but uh, <laughs> you're nowhere 80 near and, 80 or 90. I'm nowhere okay. near 80 and 90, but to see my, my, my in-laws, my grand, my, um, my father-in-law is 90 and she's 80 and mm-hmm. they, they're still, there's like, I, I don't see any difference. Like they're still, they're still quick. We all walk around together. You know, there's no, I don't know. God bless them, you know, cause yeah. they're, uh, they're still with it and still, still here and stuff. So uh, right. it it was cool. We had a good time. We had a great time. But I did try to start two nitro motors for two planes uh, on Saturday when I had a little time, and that kind of went interesting. Uh, I'll say uh, one motor I got running, but then I think the fuel tank started to have a, a leak in it. And these are just the two I bought. I really didn't even prep them or anything. I just said. I'm going to throw fuel at them and see what happens. And the one definitely I could get going again, but I have to replace the fuel tank. And the other one, he had the the needle valve set all the way in. So I guess he hadn't flown that in a while. Uh, so I backed that out a couple of turns and I actually got that running too, uh, for a little bit. I got, a, I got them both to idle. I really couldn't crank them up. So, uh, not knowing too much more about it, I kind of like did that and put them on the side. Mm-hmm. But that was interesting. That nice. was uh, different. I was trying to make some noise in my neighborhood. Nice. So that's that's all I got got to so far. What have you been up to, Steve? Uh, Friday afternoon, I went with the uh, Robin Devin McClellans, and we drove down to Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia, for the fall mowdown fun fly. The mowdown. I got to say, this event was just as good as the spring fling, if not I had... If not, I had a better time. Um, I did miss you, Kevin. You needed to come. It sucked that you didn't yeah, make it. I'm glad you guys FaceTimed me. I was sitting on my couch Saturday night drinking, and you guys FaceTimed yeah. me. And yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, good to see the, see the event, mm-hmm. at least from that point of view. Yeah. Um, I probably could have done more videos, but I just kind of caught up, you know, oh, yeah. big time yeah. talking with a whole bunch of folks. Um, so it was great. Uh, Kyle made it down there, Kyle Snyder. So I got to hang yeah. with him for a bit. Uh, oh, awesome. And his 18-minute gasser flights on his T-Rex 700 gasser. Those things, uh, he flies that thing forever. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah, and it was cool. A uh, couple of highlights. I'll just, I'll just kind of make it as short as I can. A um, couple of highlights is freaking Diamani, Chris. He uh, entered me into the auto-rotation contest. Yes, <laughs> <Entered> you. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, I might have practiced like probably a couple of tanks on my 600 nitro beforehand, like a couple of weeks uh, before this, but never in front of like, I don't know, 20, 30 other pilots. It was a lot of pilots in the auto rotation contest. It was actually pretty cool. And it was kind of funny because, you know, I was like, Rob, you have to sit stand next to me and coach me because there's way too many people. I, I'm not used to auto rotating from the right side, you know. So you needed help, help, help. So I need a little help, help, help. Nice. And um, you know, you can like cheat and walk the other side of the pad if you like prefer one side over the other. I've seen guys do that. Oh, really? Unless, unless there's a rule not to. Well, I yeah, think it's the whole flight line violation, like not to stand yeah, on that side. But yeah. But I've seen guys do it all the time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I I threw the 600 nitro up the T Rex, and I went up two three hundred feet, and I hit the the thing, and I'm like, 
uh oh, I'm going forward, I'm going back. I was like, is the helicopter going forward? Is it going back? It's it's definitely coming down. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, this is not gonna work. I'm gonna crash. And um, I tried to bail out, but I ended up shutting the motor off. So on on the Uh-oh. V control, oh, went from motor idle to motor off. Oh, that double um, click button. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the three way. And, and I ended up coming down, and it, like if you know, hit the ground a little with very little head speed, if not none, and it just tipped over. No damage. I nice. threw it back up. And I did two more autos. It was like, you know, best of three, I guess. And I did two more autos where I actually landed on the the target. Uh, the first one, I landed tail in. And the last one I did, I landed nose in, which I've never even landed a helicopter nose in on purpose nice. ever. So, so that was pretty nice. cool. So I was very excited about that. It's um, scary. It could be scary. So it's, it's really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. Especially when I'm not used to landing nose in at all so yeah I, I could hover nose in that's fine but when you're landing if you know it's off by little you're gonna kickstand it so um so that was cool uh, the night flying was amazing there it always is uh yeah. you know it's <laughs> just some of these helicopters man these guys i mean i want to <laughs> talk about this guy i don't know his last name but lincoln is his name he flies so low to the ground He's scraping his tail blade, scraping his main disc as he's flipping and doing tricks. And I don't know how he doesn't put it in. Um, everyone was like, you know, the whoa, whoa, you know, making Yikes. those noises. And, <laughs> and you know, everyone was actually like standing back for, for his flight. Yeah, there's, there's a point where it like crosses over from like entertaining to scary, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was exciting. It was so exciting. Wow. You know, Kyle Stacy did a killer night flight too. You know, he just, he's just, so technical and so like in control of his helicopters. It's, it's, in, it's insane. They had uh, a couple of cool flights where uh, Kyle and Bert did a, a tandem flight with their um, the Goblin, the new Goblin Black Sport. Thunder Sport. Yeah. Yep. And then another, I think I think Kyle was flying the Sport and Bert was flying the the T line Black Thunder. But regardless, they they were killing it. They were doing an amazing job. I got to see Bobby Watts fly for the first time in person. Oh, and nice. Super entertaining was, um, guy. Yeah. Super entertaining, super cool dude. Like, yeah, it was great. His uh, tandem flight with uh, with Bert was freaking awesome too. Let's see. Now this guy, Mike, aka Shaggy <laughs> Parker. Yep. You know, I met him at HOD, and I I remember him from Spring Fling also. Um, Kevin, you probably remember him. I I, I know Mike too. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, it was cool because, you know, we kind of actually got to hang out and talk. And, you know, I was like, oh, man, I need to go get some food. <laughs> Funny, Kevin. I need to get some food. And he was like, oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a ride. You know, he's from the area. He lives in Virginia. And it's like, I was like, all right, cool. So we ended up going to McDonald's or whatever. But, um, yeah, cool dude. Uh, I think he's actually a rep for MSH or at yeah, least a brain. On, on the brain. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's also a rep for expert servo, servos. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, guys, I remember seeing him fly before. And Kevin, you'll remember him because he was the guy with the 180 with the night blade setup with the night rig on that yeah, little yeah. 180. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. He's gotten really good over the, this past year. Like, I remember seeing him at Spring Fling and then seeing him at Fall Moldown. He got a lot better. So, so yeah, they had that um, at Urcha, they had that competition for like, you know, new pilots not, not sponsored, I think. Yeah, yeah. Compete, and he mm-hmm. did that too. Yeah. The Urcha got talent. The Urcha got talent. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he did that where too. he uh, he ripped the tail off his energy. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The boom strike. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. The crazy uh, boom strike. Just do like a, a pure punch out or something. It was, I was like, whoa, uh, that's probably, crazy. Probably had like 2,000 flights on those dampeners or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I got to talk to him and that was awesome um, to chat with him. And we're actually going to, you know, he, he actually wants to come on the show. So we're going to get him on the show. So that'd be cool. Awesome. More recently, last, I guess, I don't know, maybe about a week now, a little less than a week. I'm part of Team BK Servos now. I'm as a rep. So so that's pretty Woo-hoo. cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I use all too. the servos in my uh, my helis, and I, and I love them. So, yeah, thank you. Um, so here's a big question. Coreless or brushless? <laughs> coreless, coreless. Okay, okay, okay. Now, now, I hate the sound of coreless because brushless are so much quieter. Oh, the buzzing. Yeah, but the, you know, but... The price, the performance, I, you know, why not go cordless? It's it just works. Yeah, no, it's like a boxer's brief question, so it's mm-hmm, sure. Everyone's got their <laughs> opinion on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else happened? I sold my six hundred and fifty SAB blades. Finally, got those shipped out. Also shipped out one of my bad neos, the one that was on the six hundred nitro that gave my the nitro like a crazy wobble and actually burnt out my. I don't know if it's the servo that burnt out the throttle channel or the Neo burnt out the, I don't know, something burnt out. My throttle channel stopped working on that. You sold that? No, I got it shipped out to Germany. Oh, okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that went out yesterday. So hopefully, um, you know, probably take like a month, but whatever. I bought another Neo, which I transferred the Pro Rescue on anyway. So I, I'm in no rush for that. Nice. Yeah, that's about it. I, I, I got some more work done on the... The uh, the FT Vigan, the whole bottom yeah. is the wing is put together with the fuselage, and I went with the three ounce stuff and put a nice thick layer of fiberglass on it. So that's it's really nice. It's, it has like a nice solid sound when you tap on it. I love it. Yeah, I stopped by today. I got a good look at that. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's, it's that's coming out nice, dude. You know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna weigh mine without the battery and uh, give you a a report on how much mine weighs because I bet you yours is. A lot lighter than mine. It felt lighter already, so? just with the with the motor and the EDF in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not done with it. I still have to put some more fiberglass and then paint it. So I don't know how much the paint's gonna weigh. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Wait, let me see. I'm curious because I know yeah. I'm putting less amps out on the um, on the hobby wing and uh, the EDF than than what you what you're pulling on yours. So mine has to be lighter. <laughs> yeah. If I don't have more power, I need more. I need less weight at least. <laughs> Nice. Uh, so we'll see how that comes out. Um, besides that, I do have my Oxy 2. I got a bunch of upgrades today. So I'm stretching it to a 210. I got the Hobby Wing 25 amp with the, the RPM signal. So now I can finally run the VBAR Gov on that. And some couple other little things like all the 3D printed stuff. Um, they sent me free of cost the, uh, the molded plastic stuff. So the battery tray, the tail boom clamp. Um, yeah, really, just those two. So, is it is it a lot lighter with the new parts, or it's just like about the same, just a molded part? I can't tell the difference. Um, okay. I haven't even. I should have waited. That would have been a good thing to do. Is wait. I'm just curious. Yeah. 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 I feel but, like like you know because Luca keeps improving it. There's like you know it's going to keep dropping in weight too over time. Which wait is cool. till his next version comes out. It's a, the plastic edition one. Yeah. That's supposed to be a lot lighter. So okay, so maybe I'll wait for that then. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of been my week. Fall mowdown, cool. man. What a great event. If for all our listeners that are in the 
Virginia area, sort of, for spring or fall. You got to make those two events. Alex, you should try to make those. One of those two. Spring, yeah. spring it's a little bit bigger. Uh, more pilots. Um, fall, more yeah. now is a little bit more, you know, family. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, it's it's all about like wife points kind of. So. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> so, so Absolutely. I went to uh-huh. RCHN5 just recently, right? Oh, like, yeah. Just yeah, a couple so, weeks ago. Uh-huh. So so like my wife, and, but actually my wife and my kids came with me. I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old and I just mm-hmm. rented like a you know 27-foot RV. So we all stayed in it, uh, yeah, yeah. which I think is the best way if you go to a fun fly and you don't own an RV. Like just call up a place nearby, have them deliver it. And you yeah. basically show up to your, your hotel room on the field. Uh, with a ge- with a generator. I mean, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's a little more expensive than a hotel, but like, it's such a cool way to go to an event. Sure. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I just used my credits at RCHN five, and so I I, I mean, I would have loved to go to Virginia, um, but it's, and I'm going to Anderson, which used to be the Heli Freak Fun Fly, but now it's mm-hmm. you know just, uh, in a couple of weeks, which will be a smaller event, probably thirty guys. Uh, hope we're hoping for more, but um, so it's kind of like to put another one in between that. Like we'll sure, probably be yeah, pushing yeah. pushing it's my pushing, yeah. <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, for next year, maybe if you can do the spring one, it's usually the first event on the East Coast, you know, for the Sweet. season. Sweet. Yeah. So that'd be yeah. awesome. Awesome. All right. Alex, do you want to go over your week? How your week's been? Uh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, I guess just this last seven days. Well, I've been messing around with the new one-way bearing on the Protoss Nitro, so uh, so I've been testing that. So the idea is, if you're familiar with the Protoss Max, it has this big sprag bearing, yep, yep. Um, and so we wanted to say, hey, can we pull out another 50 grams? Um, and so you know, we've been testing this idea for a while. What we what we do is we partially harden the main shaft. You don't want to harden main shaft because it makes it a lot weaker, but mm-hmm. uh, just hardening the tip of it and then uh, using a smaller one-way that's still really robust directly on it. Um, and that okay. pulls like another 50 grams out of the, out of rotating mass, which is even better. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been messing with that and I'm putting that on, on an electric now also to see if I can blow it up. But, um, <laughs> it's been, it's been totally robust and, uh, really, really happy with it. So that that's going into production. Um, and then, uh, the, uh, I tried a new pipe. So I think that the whole magic for nitro is like the, at this point, we're probably never going to see a new engine for like four or five years. So, uh, I think most of the development that you're going to see from guys is like different pipe design. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, there's this company out in Italy, uh, and the owner is this guy, uh, Massimo, if I'm pronouncing it right. I think people call him Max. Uh, and he's got this MRCI pipe. Is that the one with the carbon fiber? It looks like a flashlight. Like, you know, something a police officer would run around and hit you in the head with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> Dunk. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it has, like, the Hotori-style mount. So, you know, the, the soft, soft mount, mount with mm-hmm. the grommet and the O-rings. And so, uh, so yeah, I got I got that in. And, uh, man, it – I mean, you know, I, I didn't dyno it or anything, but it felt like I had another horsepower. Really? Uh, I mean, it, it just – I think the – so the power pipe, I run an OS mainly because when I, the, I've, I have a, a YS also, but I've just, just like for all the testing I've been doing the last like year, I, I just really, and Jesse also, you know, we just wanted the OS because we tend to just be able to run, you know, eight cases through it and not have too many issues and not mm-hmm. to stay as perfect on the tune where the YS, like, you know, it's for me, it's anyway, I'm, it's like, it's one of those things. Everybody's got their opinion for me. I've uh-huh. blown up more YS motors, uh, not mainly because I would just maybe not run it rich enough and just kill it. Um, and so uh, my radar for hearing lean is not that good. So, you know, you know, some guys have the most amazing radar. Like 
I, I flew with uh, Nick Maxwell at Urcha, and like mm-hmm. my engine would be sounding great. He's like, "Holy crap, land, land!" <laughs> you know, he's like, "Your engine's so lean." I'm like, "What? That sounded perfect." <laughs> so it's like, so you know, my radar isn't perfect on that. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, um, so yeah, I got the OS version of the MRCI pipe, and uh, it just made a lot of power. And the OS power pipe, in my opinion, is really restrictive. Like the opening. Uh, uh, onto the uh, motor is really small. It's like it's, it's even smaller. It's on the smaller. Motor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so this thing, like, the sound was, like, seriously raunchy. I don't know if I can get over the the, the sound, but um, it just, like, pulled. And it ran, and, like, the back plate had to be 15 degrees cooler. Jeez. Wow. Uh, okay. it, it was burning fuel a little bit better. Like, so, it, like, I had to run it way richer. So, you know, it's like my flights got a little shorter because it, it was just doing better overall. Um, I was really impressed. Um, like, but I think I, I broke it, so I'm waiting for a new one. Now. So, uh, oh, yeah, I just like, you know, I, I think I wrote online like I flew the butt off it. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> so it broke, so I'm waiting for a new one to come in. Uh, and Mossimo was interested in doing a, a custom muffler too for uh, for the the Protoss Nitro. So um, maybe something that looks like aerodynamic and a different color kind of thing. So. We'll see how it goes. Um, wouldn't be something like at release, but so yeah. So anyway, mess around with that, burn some nitro, and uh, so somehow decided I was going to try to do a, a, a video in auto rotation because like I don't know, I, I I'm a sucker for threads on online, and so you know the usual thread comes up that you know belts suck for autos, and it and you know everyone's got their own belief, but I I kind of like how you know my stuff autos, and so I'm always like oh no autos good like what's going on. And so I decided to make a video to do autos. And, uh, of course, when I did it, like the wind was like 50 miles per hour. And the guy said, <laughs> the guy said, I can auto my fireball the same. So you didn't, yeah, you didn't, yeah. You didn't show me. <laughs> so that was my feel bad moment of the week. I thought, okay, all right, all right. I tried, but, uh, but that's always one of those debates. I mean, of course, uh, a torque tube is freer spinning at the end, right. but, uh, I think it's, if it's, if everything is, is right and the all up weight is good, like, yeah. It has a very small impact. Um, maybe in terms of spooling back up after the blade stop, it might be a little bit easier. I would give it that. So like doing the kind of autos where you go, you know, 500 feet and you're just doing, you know, constantly flipping, rolling and rolling and you start losing head speed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not pretty good at recovering, it's a, yeah. maybe be, you know, with a, a belted heli, it's a little bit, a little, you know, a little bit more work. Um, but I get good hang times. So anyway, I was like, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. it's, shot this video up and and uh i got told that uh i was cheating so i don't know <laughs> so all good so uh yeah bye week awesome awesome yeah and talking about uh fireballs and mini comments um autoing uh bobby watts was autoing the crap out of him at the, at the farm all down which is That's insane awesome. this little thing it's like for me to think about autoing an oxy i no. <laughs> kevin yeah, does it but it's i really win. fun you just have to like figure out how long it floats and just like get enough overspeed to make it. Yeah, hang. you got to so overspeed, just, right? You so mm-hmm. overspeed it, and then you get you know you get a couple seconds to land it. And if you don't, it's like it just bounces off the ground anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. just kind of flops around like a fish. <laughs> yeah, rabbit ears. <laughs> yep. Okay, so let's move to the main topic here. So we want to talk about MSH helicopters. So first of all, what does MSH stand for? uh you're putting me on the spot uh it's yeah. like it's like the last names and i i knew it before so monty and then uh i forgot the the s anyway i'm sorry i'm gonna fail this question i should know it <laughs> i i hear well, you're all better go- than what i said i'll, I'll uh, google it wait wait <laughs> I, said, I said microsoft helicopters uh, msh 
Oh, I, I should. I'm, duh, I'm like totally brain dead. Sorry. After uh, 10 hours of work, my brain stops working. Um, so the M is uh, Monty. So David Monte. And then Corrado. I just blanked for whatever reason. Corrado's last name is Steri. Okay. So MS. And then, you know, helicopter. So every oh. time someone says MSH helicopters, they're saying helicopter, helicopter, helicopter. 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 <laughs> uh, for, for a time, I think they were calling it uh, like, okay, you know, monster. But if you go, you know, it's uh, Monty and, and Steri, so monster, you know, okay. I mean, you know, kind of combining their word a little bit. Right. David, D- David, Monty, and Corrado Steri. So you could kind of cut off a couple let- letters and make that say monster. So for very early in their history, I think they were calling themselves monster. And you might even see like old Protoss 500 booms that said monster heli on it. <laughs> so Okay. So, yeah, but eventually that changed just to MSH. So, Fred, you're not a big fan of all y'all? All y'all? That's like all of you all? No, no, that's perfectly appropriate. <laughs> all y'all. Oh, come on. Floridian. All right. What was the question? Next question. <laughs> Next question. Uh, <laughs> I feel so, like I'm on the spot now. It's like, yeah, like do, you know your, do you know your shit or not? Yeah. Do you know the company you work for? Uh, what, does, so, what does BWM stand for? Wow. You got 10 seconds. Yeah. It's not the free fall dunk tank, so don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's cool. <laughs> you're, you're good. Uh, how long have you been with MSH now? Talking what? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, um, I started messing with their stuff back in when uh, the brain first came out. So I guess that was 2011. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, really it started like working with them in terms of development of the flight control mm-hmm. system. And from that point forward, got deeper and deeper to where I was really like, uh, I, don't, I mean, I, it's not like an official title, but like in a lot of ways I'm their CTO because uh, I have, I have a, a clear idea of what airframes to build, what to target, what's important. Um, uh-huh. And on the flight control, like, at some point, three or four years, I gave him like a, a five-year vision of, of kind of, you know, we discussed together, of course, like where mm-hmm. the fly bar should go, how many guys we should hire, you know, what what would really uh, be the most impactful and transformational to the helicopter industry on the flight yeah. control side. And so that's an area like, you know, my coming back into engineering background that is really exciting to me to say, look, what can we do that will really change things? And so, like, yeah. you know, you saw Brain 2 come out and that was a lot of the ideas I'd come up with years ago of how to integrate like the J log functionality into brain, mm-hmm. really bring integrated telemetry uh, in a way that was truly useful. And we, we put a, a big flash uh, on the, on the brain itself so we could store everything on the, on the unit to really right. help the pilot and bring all this information together from your speed control, from the flight control and all show it in one view. So that was like mm-hmm. a big piece of it. Um, so there's, you know, there's just stuff like that. And there's still years of stuff to execute on that, uh, you know, those guys are going full time, uh, two full time software engineers nonstop working mm-hmm. on new ideas. So uh, it's really fun. Um, nice. And so, yeah, there's just, I think in my mind, there's like infinite. Some guys have said, what else can you do? Like they fly. And I'm the exact opposite. There's so much more you can do uh, to in- enhance our experience in the hobby. And so, you know, I'm really focused on that. And, uh, and also, you know, I really have fun seeing what the other guys are coming up with of other flight mm-hmm. control systems. So it's, I think that's the most exciting area of the market. And so it's really fun to be one of the participants. And I, I feel like I'm totally biased, but I feel like brain uh, has, has gotten a huge portion of the market at this point. Um, and it's variance, right? I mean, brain icon, all the same stuff. Sure. Um, so, um, which is great. And I think you know, a lot of that has happened because of uh, us 
you know, seeing what can, what can be done and really pushing forward with the ideas and bring, mm-hmm. bring to the, the, the guys and the guys like it. So, uh, we've seen like a huge change in the acceptance of, you know, it was a good system all along, but I feel like in the last two years, it's become one of the top systems out there, which I think is in part to this vision that we keep driving and, and, and what we can do with the system and what, what value can right. we bring together? Yep. Um, you mentioned Icon and, and obviously Brain, right? They're, they're the same fibers unit, but can you go into that? Like, uh, I'm curious why, I guess, Icon is like MSH licensed the Brain to Icon to relabel your fibers unit and, and sell it? Yeah. Or? I mean, it's, yeah, it's one of those questions. Um, it, it dates back to the beginning of Brain. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you think about, um, you know, in the very beginning of Brain, you know, the, the original brain design came from uh, a pretty brilliant software guy who had been developing a flight control system as kind of a, a hobby for five years prior to that, or four years, something like a long time. Like, And he was, you know, uh, really a, a smart guy and uh, ended up you know, working with MSH to bring it uh, to market uh, as the brain. Mm-hmm. And so uh, MSH has always been uh, smart about their scale, meaning they, they never wanted to have 500 employees, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, they want to keep their scale uh, uh, lean so that there's not much overhead, but be really effective. And that's, you know, uh, like the same way I've, I've done other startups in Silicon Valley. That's always a really smart way to, to structure your company right. um, and, and make it like a really lasting company. And so at that point, like the scale of supporting all of the world with a, what became a really popular flight control system and supporting the U.S., you know, uh, was something they had to figure out how to really do well to where the customers were going to be happy. And so mm-hmm. uh, at that point, they were talking to uh, Heli, the guys at HeliDirect uh, and the owner there. Um, you know, they were really interested in the system and, you know, they, they you know, would prefer to you know, have their own name on it um, separate from the name that, uh, you know, Brain had. It's just like a... Uh, a common thing you see in the industry so you can contain your own marketing fundamentally sure. is the idea. So, you know, if, you, if, you know, if, if it's all called the same thing, well, if you put $10,000 into your marketing budget, you know, you're helping all the dealers. Right. And that mm-hmm. may not be the best way to use that marketing money. So if it's possible, you always kind of want to have your own name. So all your market dollars push the volume towards where you want it to go. Right. Right. And so I think that's something we see very commonly with servos in our art market, uh, you know, where you might have the same servo with like mm-hmm. three different names and it maybe really fr- frustrates guys. And I think as a, as a customer, it really frustrates me. Like when I buy this piece of equipment, like, you may not know what it is, but it actually is this or it's that, you know, like who actually makes this thing, you know, right. it's ESC or a servo. And I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but for me, like it kind of frustrates me because it's kind of, um, and I'm not saying icon is this, I'm just saying in general, I'm not a fan of rebranding, but I understand why it's there. Right. Right. And it's purely a marketing thing. But anyway, so at that point, uh, it was about, uh, the U S marketing. This is 2012. It's about the U.S. marketing and containing the support, right, uh, all through uh, SAM, you know, HeliDirect fundamentally. And so, uh, and that worked okay at that time. Um, and then, uh, so that's that's where it came from. And so, you know, a lot of the volume into the U.S. came through that name. And it, and, yeah. and w- what was good in this case, though, it said MSH on it. So it wasn't like you were trying to fool anybody that it wasn't mm-hmm. a brain. It was just right. a, a way to contain the marketing and support and they still put MSH on it. So it was clear it was the same thing, even the same software work. So it wasn't like a, the traditional, you know, switch. It, I think it was, it was just to help the support model at that time. 
and and you know the guy that wanted to do it and distribute it really wanted his own name and everyone said okay uh so i think that's the real story of where it started and and i think you know that generated a bunch of distribution channels for it uh because you know that's that's one of the biggest um you know uh, distributors and dealers in the in the whole industry in the u.s and so you know that's that's something that's still very effective so there's you know no reason to to switch it off and then uh and then i started msh usa to really uh take over the um you know the 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 protos the, the models and the brain too mm-hmm. um, because i was so deep in the company functioning you know on the engineering level um it made a lot of sense uh to to build a business around it and you, and you see a lot of companies doing this um you have saab usa you've got mikado usa right, um, right. You know, it be, it be, the fundamental reason to do it is because you you want the best experience for your customer and you know like dealers are fantastic and and we do everything we can to give dealer they want end of the day though a dealer you know their goal is to make a, a living and a profit and you have a certain amount of money every quarter or month to put into inventory right and mm-hmm. so you know with the way the the hobby is you're just chasing whatever is uh most most important for your business is to chase whatever is at that moment creating the most revenue uh from the from the customer standpoint like the end user like all the pilots you know the, you may go to one shop and they don't have this in stock and you go to another shop and they got this in stock and you go to another shop and they have this in stock and so i think you know in the uh in the era of three four years ago you'd see a lot of guys getting frustrated they couldn't get the parts they needed and you know the reality is helicopters are like a subscription if you buy a helicopter and you can't get the part everyone's going to know that you're pissed right and it's it's sure, yeah it's bad for the customer it's bad for the brand and so that's why you've seen yep. all this stuff happen with like Mikado USA Saab USA MSH USA all these companies happen this way uh because it was about giving the 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 solid support that you need for a model like a helicopter you know where we're flying and crashing and needing support uh it just works better and then you have as many dealers as you want after that but you know there's always a place that will have the the total focus and and and, and investment and inventory to have everything all the time so does all the other companies go directly through you you're like you're the main distributor right for the u.s that's right for the u.s then, yes yeah and then europe comes straight from europe of course so right right awesome right so i know we kind of touched upon this one here um the brain integration with jetty and spectrum so you kind of went into the spectrum side, right? Once they did that whole clear text uh, with the telemetry, you you know you guys were able to leverage that to get your brain integrated into their, um, I guess, software or firmware. You want to however you want right. to talk, you know. Um, is that the same way for Jetty? So no. So um, I mean, the thing with um, Spectrum was that you know we we shocked them. We basically um, found this. That's not a backdoor, but way to utilize. Yeah, you hacked it, did you? No. Yeah, and and. <laughs> Like this whole story uh, with Spectrum wraps up to this this uh, receiver they they released um, maybe six months ago. So they had released this new um, Spectrum receiver called the four six four nine T. Basically, it was the very first introduction of their bidirectional SRXL protocol. So what yeah. this is, so normally you have these satellites or receivers that um, you know send the the packets to the fly bar list. So you control your helicopter. The telemetry had to be the separate module, typically. Right. right. The yep. CM1000. CM1000. And, yep. Mm-hmm. And every other, you know, company in the world has like thrown that idea away and integrated it all into one receiver. Right. For whatever reason, they didn't want to do this for years. So finally, they released this uh, receiver. But for, for whatever reason, they targeted only quads. So the, the main reason they did it was to do some better integration with the flight controllers on the on the FPV side. Uh, I think okay. that was the main 
the main uh, target for this development. So the 4649T came out, um, but it wasn't like a, a, a perfect receiver. It didn't doesn't have the quick restart. So, you know, like the brownout support and typical satellite or respecting receiver, it restarts quickly instead of doing a full boot. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially it turned out it didn't have enough voltage tolerance to operate at eight volts. Like but it was supposed to, it didn't. And so, you know, that, that put a, uh, and we had supported spectrum early on with the full telemetry integration, not the actual, uh, you know, brain integration, but it did all yeah. the telemetry and we used this uh-huh. receiver and, you know, guys ran out and bought it and they were failing all over the place. And so they, uh, you needed to basically drop the voltage to seven volts or less, no problem. And so they've already fixed this. So it's, this is all behind us. Um, but so, you know, but it still doesn't have the quick restart function. So when we were looking at this integration option, like, well, we really wanted to make a, a, a redundant system. Uh, this receiver was supposed to be everything. Like like the other receivers, you just need one, you don't need two. But uh, we weren't happy with it. And so we uh, basically designed uh, Brain to allow for two normal satellites that you already probably have, plus the 4649T. So you end up with a triple redundant receiver all hanging off of Brain, which we turned the situation around. So now it's uh, arguably the most robust RF signal in the world uh, for RC heli because triple receivers, I mean, you know, in terms of performance, like that's just really good. Uh, and then, and then even if the 4649T fails, uh, all you lose is telemetry. The, the other receivers are still keeping you in the air. So that was right. one of the innovations that we worked on for this, uh, this brain uh, release to support spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the receiver is now, can handle eight volts. And so you get this receiver, you have a couple sats and the idea is now, um, you flip to this brain menu, this brain screen on your telemetry. Like you take the roller, you scroll over and then you hold your sticks pointing to the bottom inside and up, up pops the brain integration menu. And so you can tune everything, your, your flip rate, your roll rate, all your gains, your head speeds, just like, uh, integration. Can you do the setup also? Yeah. Or is that still done on those laptops? Right. And I, I think that, um, mm-hmm. I think, and that, that's one of the differentiations, I think, between any of the brain integrations with like Jetty or Spectrum and like a V control, where V control is really designed, uh, to like completely replace everything. Like this is your transmitter and then your, you know, your unit and then you're done. Brain, it's, it, it, uh, it's still, uh, and it's, it, it's possible to do all the setup in Jetty, but we really, as our own, everybody has their own design philosophy. We really feel mm-hmm. like the best experience is with, you know, the trip, you know, the trillion dollar, you know, Windows product that we have, you know, with Windows and a mouse. Like we just like that, that setup environment. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, same, and you also set it up with a phone, like your uh, iPhone or right. Android. And that's another, you know, multi-billion dollar operating system that you just can't develop an operating system that's that will match that, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still like using that device for that. It's still really, I mean, I I think it's it's fantastic to have one device that does it all. It's just a difference in philosophy. Sure. Um, but we could do it completely. We could make a wizard. I don't, I, I don't think it would be, even if we did the wizard, it wouldn't be absolutely perfect. Like you would, you might need to do one thing with the PC to tell it that it's Jetty. Or right, some way right. to tell it that it's Jetty, and then once you're past that, you could do it all on mm-hmm. the on the unit. So there'd be one step, or or it could be out of the box. Uh, we could do something with a jumper that starts it, you know. But but you know, I think that's the trade off when you're able to integrate with like four different third party transmitters or three, right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's there's going to be a little trade off there. The Jetty actually has a, a full binary that uh you know, that that's compiled and runs on the radio, so therefore it's far more powerful in how it does the integration. Okay, so. So with Jetty, it's got like a full graphical uh, uh, vibration analyzer on it. It's got mm-hmm. um, 
It's got like a really nice uh, menu system that's just cleaner, very like instantaneous, fast because it's all local binary. Right. It's like zero lag. It's incredibly quick to get to what you want to work on. Sure. Uh, it like does app loaded into the transmitter, not like right. waiting for signals of yeah coming. From yeah, it's not transmitting the text. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jetty will so Brain is always sending ten simultaneous streams of uh, so it does two things. So Brain logs at fifty hertz, very high resolution on oh, its onboard right. flash for t- for ten different uh, data streams that you want. So you may want to look at your pirouette rate. You may mm-hmm. want to look at your throttle out, uh, your RPM. Um, you may want to look at um, your vibration, which is always recorded. Uh, mm-hmm. For the, like every second of your entire flight, you can play it back anytime you want. So during the maneuvers, you can see your stick inputs and your vibration at the same time. It's really cool. Um, so you can you can you can visualize all the stuff, but it's also transmitting all the stuff at the same time to the transmitter. The problem is anytime you uh, log on the transmitter, it's limited to the speed of the downlink. Right. right. And so for like all our transmitters that log, like, you know, it, it can be Jetty, it can be V control. Like there's a limitation to the logging rate. And I, I, I think most don't go beyond like 10 Hertz. Mm-hmm. And so, so for a lot of things like, you know, like tuning a nitro governor, like I've been uh, working a lot on developing our nitro governor. Um, it's a little bit of a tangent, but you know, I put the myth, you know, how there's like the multi-gov pros, the mythical beast, right? Like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's like the gold standard. And so I, I got one, set it up, and I've been logging it, looking at it, analyzing it, and then, you know, doing the same to the brain nitro governor. And like, you know, mm-hmm. what what can we do to make the brain nitro governor like the best in the industry? So I've been spending time like playing with that. And um, so it's really helpful to have high resolution logging on board the brain to right. analyze that. And so that happens. And then with a jetty, 10 streams, including you know all the stuff that's logging on board are also sent to the transmitter. And jetty has a full graphical viewer on it as mm-hmm. uh, one like a data analyzer. So I can go in, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some weird throttle surging problem on my nitro engine. I can pop up the full graph of the uh, throttle out, see what the governor's doing and the RPM and see it. I, I can, if I'm curious about my true pirouette rate, I can see it logged. If I'm, you know, curious about uh my you know like this the stick inputs or vi- anything vibration i can mm-hmm. go view that stuff. um oh the i can look at the temperature of my esc over the whole flight right on my transmitter right nice. uh, wow the, the graph like at 10 hertz right and then i can also look at that at 50 hertz on the brain uh right. i can look at the current like graph at 50 or 10 hertz like on, on the transmitter mm-hmm. i can pull up the current if I'm right. logging it, right? And I can say, okay, here's what my current spikes look like. And I can like scroll along the current and I can zoom into the all in the transmitter. Nice. So it's this like ultra powerful thing that you know with the jetty to where I can look at all this data and it just like ends up saving you tons of time. Like if something weird is happening, like I just pop right into it and view it in a graphical way, right on the I don't think there's any other solution in the market right now that does this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some guys to say, I don't need that. Okay. That's cool. I mean, I love it because, uh, once you have that tool, it's so effective to, to work with. Um, and it's, it's very easy to use and it's just like makes my, like, you know, usually like three or four steps to figure out a problem. It like makes it to where I'm literally solving it in one flight. And to me, that's like, like super valuable. Um, so you yeah, know, I, I, it's cool. So yeah, Jetty definitely has the most powerful integration, uh, with the telemetry and the, uh, the brain. Um, and then there's also Gropiter, which is very good too. Uh, mm-hmm. But but you know, Jetty is just this crazy radio that's really nice. So, for sure. Are you guys working on integration with, um, say, Scorpion ESCs? You know, with the telemetry port. 
Yeah, so uh, right now we already support Scorpion Tribunus. Mm-hmm. So awesome, uh, and that's what I'm running. So like, um, what's Tribunus is an interesting case because uh, Tribunus has onboard logging, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it like really valuable to take that data and log it directly in Brain because I yeah. can I can look at current and my stick inputs at the same time, right? And mm-hmm. and see the influence, like what what's happening, why is it doing that? Uh, am I unloading the disk? So like, let's right. say I'm looking at my RPM. I just did a huge overspeed, right? Well, when you do an overspeed, you've disengaged the one way. Okay, now what is what is the governor doing? Is the governor like cracking Kinda, off? Yeah. Is it ramping mm-hmm. up? Is it you know not doing a good job, especially in a nitro? Because number one priority is protect the engine. So I'm really curious about, but you know, not not a Tribunus thing, obviously. But um, yeah. but you're, all, you're you're looking at this data, and so Tribunus is really nice having all that data logged right on. Uh, on the on brain and on also brain. It sends, yep. sends it and then the brain just like it does with hobby wing sends it to jetty but also um scorpion can connect directly to jetty if you want mm-hmm. um and just bypass the brain but that's like you're actually losing uh the, the effectiveness of it so yeah and then there's the other option that i know uh mikado does this now with v control where you actually configure the esc yep where it's like two-way and we yeah. looked at we looked at doing this it's mm-hmm. cool but we saw really diminishing returns for it um, you know, if you did it with just one ESC, not the others, that's cool. Um, but like, you know, for me anyway, I don't know how you guys are about it. Like once I set up my ESC, I kind of like never connect it again. It's kind of a pain to connect to it because yeah, I, you know, yeah. depending how it's mounted. You on set the, the direction, you set your, uh, you know, your linear throttle out because you run, you know, your external gov and that's it. Okay. Like, <laughs> right. And I would say yeah. Tribunus is a little special because it has these like, uh, extra feature set for cutoffs. So, like for example, sure. my Tribunus, I've I have a five thousand milliamp battery. If, yeah. if for whatever reason uh, I screw up and or a wire pops out and I lose my telemetry, it'll mm-hmm. go into like seventy percent power. Yeah, uh, at, right. You know, Forty three hundred uh, milliamps. Okay, that's really cool. And so I, I could see like, okay, maybe I want to tweak that once or twice, but the, the actually having it on the brain two way like mm-hmm. doesn't seem worth the effort. And so we decided not to do that. So, but we take all the data out, but we don't put any data back in. I guess is a you know a way to to, way to look at it, which I which we believe is all you need for an ESC. It's like it's like it's like a cool thing to have it both ways for sure, though. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, Scorpion Castle. So right now we support Scorpion, some of the Contronics, a Castle and Hobbywing. Nice. So we integrate with the telemetry with all those. That's amazing. Okay. So let's talk about this Protos Nitro. Ah, yes, the Nitro. <laughs> yeah. So, so how long has this been in the works? Like, yeah, I'd say um, a while. I think um, you know, there's actually a really long. I know you know MSH has been all electric forever, mm-hmm. but there's a really long Nitro heritage with uh, you know David and uh, Corrado. They came up in the hobby loving Nitro, and so this is uh, a real passion project for them. Right. And. Uh, you know, it's we've been flying the prototype for quite some time. Um, I want to say this hasn't been a year yet, um, but like early, early this maybe you know maybe early this year it really started flying. And, I'm and curious. Yeah, I'm curious. Like you know, the development. Like okay, you know, where they were like, all right, we need to make a nitro, right? We need to do a nitro platform. Um, come before, say like a year or two ago, when nitros were kind of you know, the odd man out and but now recently and I would say in the last year especially, you know, nitros have definitely been ramping up more and more. Um, especially at fun flies. I see more nitros and electric these days. Uh, you know, yeah. so I mean I think um it's 
Well, you know, this is like a, a side a side topic, I think, from the MSH thing. But mm-hmm. um, I think the nitros resurging are mostly in the U.S. right now. I, I don't. Th- yeah. I don't think Europe is experiencing it. And I think it's because right. our fuel costs are still, you know, sub thirty. Although hazmat kills a lot of us. But if you sure. if you if you've got your uh, nitro local nitro supplier, you're like fat and happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I think you know as 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 helicopter hobbyists, there's uh, a passion for internal combustion. And uh, part of the hobby is lost when you're flying electric in terms of appreciating, uh, you know, the work that you have to do in the machine to make it perform well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, we all get lost in this endless power and every maneuver you can do. And, you know, you fly it that way. Not that you couldn't like ramp the head speed down and, and have great collective control with the tail, but, mm-hmm. you know, nitro brings some of that, um, you know, that, that flying art back, um, yep. you know, to some degree. And then also like the satisfaction of tuning the motor and, uh, finding the problems. And I think once you, once you've gotten over the, the pissed off stage of starting nitro, you know, where you're like frustrated cause you're having problems, uh, you start like <laughs> finding like a, a brotherhood in a sense with all these other nitro guys that just want to share information. And yeah. I, I don't know if you're a member of the nitro nation on Facebook, I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's just like you see how passionate those guys are. Like, oh yeah, guys. Sa- you know, guy says I'm blowing up glow plugs. It turns into like a hot discussion, right? Um, yeah. And uh, and I think that's great. I mean, you know, guys disagreeing, guys agreeing. Mm-hmm. I think you know, and and I, I with nitro, I don't know if, how it is with you guys, but I get so much different advice over the same thing. It's like entertaining, <laughs> you know. It's like, and even at Urcha, you know, we brought the prototypes there. We're running the OS as we're really trying to get them tuned. Mm-hmm. Like we had top nitro guys. He would really, you know, give us like the strangest advice. Not that it was bad or good, but like it just made no logical sense to me. And, and we happened to, you know, hook up with Nick Maxwell, um, who his approach is like completely systematic and based on data on mm-hmm. how to tune an engine. And it like completely changed my view of tuning nitro. And I spent like an entire Wednesday with that guy and learned like everything I feel like I know right now about engine tuning in that short time. So, um, but it's really an exploration. So I think a lot of us that are in the hobby and we have uh, an interest in tinkering, I think nitro brings that back for us a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, that, that kind of that real hobby part of it, you know, and, uh, after you get done learning to build and set up control, it's like, what's left, you know, like what can I learn? And nitro mm-hmm. kind of, so I think there's a lot of new guys getting into nitro and, uh, I'm having a lot of fun, like learning and, and going down that path, you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. try, trying to become good at it. And I've had, I have local guys that are amazing at engine tuning. Yeah. And so with the, with the protos nitro, you know, coming from a long nitro heritage for the, you know, some of the designers and myself, maybe a couple of years, I've been buying nitro airframes for say two years, um, get, you know, mm-hmm. so I, in no way call myself an uh, IC expert, but like, you know, I'm an engineer kind of guy. I love, I don't mind being wrong. Like I, you know, I'm wrong all the time and, and sure. it's always been in my personality. So I love learning. And I, I feel like this is what I teach my kids too. go and make mistakes. You know, like that's how you learn. Don't get out sure. there and be afraid to make mistakes. And so yep. for me, like I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I have the attitude when it comes to design, I'm willing to really try a lot of different things and make some mistakes. And that for me, that's when the breakthroughs happen. And so, um, and I feel like nitros, you know, in the engine is that way. And, uh, and so, you know, with the, with the airframe, we really wanted to make the best nitro. I mean, that was what we set out to do, but Mm -hmm. we we also have this background in mixed composites. And so, you know, we're really bringing that, I think to the table with a a different take on a nitro. And so, um, with the, with the clutch stack, I think, you know, the clutch stack to us is, you know, brings in the fear of God, you know, <laughs> because if you mess up that clutch stack, you know, every yeah. pilot is unhappy. Um, and I yep. think we've all mm-hmm. had airframes that had horrible clutch stacks. Uh, I have. 
and I, you know, don't want to build up a machine shop uh, to get that that clutch stack <laughs> running right. correctly, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we're actually using a really proven clutch stack um, from one of our uh, suppliers at uh, CNC Development that, you know, it's like a time-proven clutch stack, and we've been flying it, and it's just, it, it like, doesn't vibrate. It's bulletproof, you know. It doesn't, you know, it's really a good clutch stack. It, it's, you know, it doesn't slip. It, it's the right combination of robust and weight. Yeah, it's not messing around. So I think the one thing that's really important uh, to a lot of guys looking at like a Protoss Nitro, like we are not trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to getting the motor power to the blades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's been really good that way. Uh, we decided, you know, if I mean, obviously with a, the, the Protoss Max Legero belt drive, you know, the motors spin one direction. Uh, and if you look at how a belt drive works, the 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 motor mm-hmm. and the, uh, and the main blades have to spin in the same direction for an electric. Yep. Yep. That doesn't work with a, a you know a internal combustion motor that's designed to spin counterclockwise, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. You're out of luck. You so gear, so that's, yep. yeah. So either you do two stage or you put the main gear on it. And anyway, my belief is after flying flying many different things, I really. I mean, this is another controversial thing, so don't shoot me, please. But I feel like <laughs> that's the <laughs> – so I'm just giving my two cents. So, yeah, I'm happy. Like I said, I'm happy to be wrong, proven mm-hmm. wrong. Someday. But I feel like having a traditional main gear with a, uh, you know, something with less than like insane power is a little a little more efficient for that, uh, that engine. Not that uh, a direct belt is inefficient in any way, but like internal combustion has a lot less power. And mm-hmm. so it, we, I just felt like you're, you're giving yourself that extra little something by having a traditional main gear also. And I think also if you look at any nitro purists, like mm-hmm. they love, they love what they love. And it's pretty hard to convince that guy to stick a belt on a nitro engine. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I'm sensitive to that, whether or not any of this is true or not. And mm-hmm. I'm sure, sure some guy right now is working on proving me wrong. Like, you know, like I, I, I feel like we really wanted to appeal to the nitro purists. Like, you know, a, a nitro machine built for the nitro guy. So that's what that's what we try to go after. But we still, I still really believe in a belted tail. Like, uh, yeah, you will not, so it's still belted, right? The it's tail belted. is belted. You will not mm-hmm. pull me away from that. Modern uh, belted tails have big pulleys. Mm-hmm. They're very low in friction. The thing auto is insane. Like, I, I just, uh, I didn't, I don't see any disadvantage to having a good belted tail. So uh, it just makes the whole model simpler once you do that. And so it's got mm-hmm. a belted tail. And then uh, we went for really low parts count. Nice. And so, uh, uh, you know, it's cool. It doesn't have a lot of screws. The fr- we use the central frame architecture that you've seen on the Protos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't have like a lot of little things tying the frames together. It's like really straightforward. Uh, we wanted to make sure the engine would pop out with the muffler attached, mm-hmm. uh, in, in three minutes. So that's basically what we achieved. So you, you, uh, leave the skids on, you pop off this bottom frame and then you pop off six screws that are attaching the motor, and the mm-hmm. whole motor just drops out. Uh, you got to pop off the throttle control. Uh, right. the, motor, the motor just drops out with the muffler attached. So muffler fan know, assembly, yeah. Yeah, I don't, nice. I don't know how you guys are, but I have a run that I'm like a little bit worried about. Like first thing I want to do is pop the motor out and look at the head. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not that you need to. You just want the reassurance that you didn't just jack your motor. Right. So. Yeah, right. So I'm like, I find myself pulling the motor out a lot, and so. Uh, and so I think it's really important to not make that frustrating because right. part of owning a nitro is maintenance of the engine. And so the motor just needs to come out. You need, you need to be able to do it quick and, and, you know, and, and in a short amount of time, get a, a good look at that motor and, and not worry about it. So it does that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to me, that's always really difficult, especially with a, a, a modern servo setup on a nitro is center of gravity. Yeah. So if you've owned any of the, 
the nitros that have you know like the modern swash server configuration you found them i'm sure to be very tail heavy yep. and so uh on the protoss nitro we we of course put the tail servo up front uh for two reasons one is cg the other is that i think it's really bad to have a servo sitting in the exhaust right um, in the trail fuel, exhaust, right? yeah like already all the electronics on a, a nitro are just hammered and yeah. you know, I don't know how you had how it's been for you, but I've had tail servos fail on nitros with uh, you know servos that are hanging in the back. So that was really important. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, getting the CG. But the other thing we did was we we have this carbon fiber uh, boom technology, which is uh, very low profile. So you know, if you've seen it before, basically it's the same uh, diameter as a, an aluminum boom. So it doesn't add any extra drag and uh, or parasitic performance on the tail for mm-hmm. like pirouetting performance, sideways tail right. performance. Uh, but it uses this really high-end uh, carbon fiber design. Uh, this is, comes back to the the molding heritage of MSH. Mm-hmm. But with the nitro, we got the boom uh, reduced by 50 grams, which is a lot uh, nice. for that boom. It's, and then we also got the tail box like another 10, 15 grams lighter. So the, the boom is now like 50, 60 grams lighter than it was on the electric. So the, the nitro boom is not a traditional like aluminum like, tube? No, it's uh, if you've seen it and you have to look at a picture, it's actually like a square coming out of the chassis where it attaches. It's more and like has, a evolution type of like, you know, has uh, some shape to it, right? Yeah, at, least, well, at least where it is in the front. Yeah, the evolution comes out really like kind of fat. Yeah, because um, it because it, it matches with the canopy. Where the Protoss Nitro, it comes out of the it attaches to the frame. It comes out like a box, and then it, it's like it's a really cool transition. And then it, it transitions into round. So it it looks awesome. You have to go look at it. It's a really cool shape to it, uh, and that's what the Protoss Nitro has. So it has no boob supports. Now we left that as an option. If you wanted to put aluminum on it, so let's say you plow it, you're going to plow it a lot, and you want mm-hmm. the most economical boom. There's a seventeen dollar aluminum boom that just pops right on it, right? Uh, it does add fifty more grams because you're going to add the boom supports in the boom, and you mm-hmm. know it hurts your CG a little bit. Um, but it's an option, right? So if you're going for pure cost, like the kit's going to come with the carbon boom, but the, uh, the aluminum one is there. So if you, if you really, you know, want to, you know, watch the cost, you can do that. But what's really great, like with the, the lighter boom, now the CG is better, but also, you know, and this, this new boom, by the way, is available for the electric when it, when it starts shipping. Um, so, uh, so you can always like convert there if you want to save the weight. But like the one thing I noticed going to this boom is like, you just have less, uh, um, uh, effect like pendulum effect on the on the elevator so the the, okay. the protos nitro has this amazing cyclic feel and elevator feel because it's removed so much mass from the from the boom right okay. so and you can run like a regular battery in the front so the the protos nitro as mine is running right now is probably like i'd say and i, I like you remember the os is a little heavier and i'm running like uh-huh. an ultra guard on it it's like sitting around like you know 10 pounds three ounces something like that the That's production one will probably it's not bad i mean you know, depending on your setup, you could end up at 10 and a half. Or if you're running like a YS, maybe you know, you hit 10 or a little less. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's always different setups of the servos you run, but it's a kind of in that range. So it's like I'm not like going to sign in blood that you're going to end up, you know, with that weight. But, um, <laughs> but it, it feels great in the air. Um, and we just pulled, we're, you know, the production version, we're pulling more weight out with the one way and we're doing other things. Uh, but it has like a really, really nice feel to it. And if you do go with the YS, I think the YS saves another 60 grams, I think, over the OS. I have so, a 105 waiting for that kit to come out. Oh, cool. <laughs> awesome to hear. Yeah. I like the OS a lot, but I, I yeah. am I, I am going to go buy a YS 
Yeah, uh, yeah, give it a try. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have a '91. I, I bought it used a long time ago. When I, you know, like I started getting into nitro, and mm-hmm. I, I think you know, I think it was just one of those ruined motors that's haunted. So sure. I've like burned it out three times. So you know, rebuilt it three times. So I'm just gonna go out and buy a new YS. I keep hearing like get the '91. I don't know. I'll buy like the '91 or the '96. I did put the 91 on the Protos and flew it around a bit and then I put the OS back on. So, you know, I've, I've been flying it with both, but, um, I, I like the OS cause it's just been, you know, consistent for me and I'm like really used to mm-hmm. tuning it. So it's just easier for me. Yeah. So how much does the nitro share parts with the regular max, you know, V2 or Lugera? Yeah. So, um, so it's got a new tail box that will also be shipping for the, the max. So the, okay. the original max tail box, um, you know, kind of had this lineage from the original V1, but mm-hmm. it was optimized. So the new tail box is like a, a single piece cast aluminum with a post CNC. That's really nice. Black, okay. black anodized. Nice. It's a little, a little bit lighter. It gets rid of all the parts. It's really nice. So, so it's that, but that'll be shared with the, the protos eventually, the, the electric eventually. Mm-hmm. The boom will be shared. Mm-hmm. It's different initially. The uh, the head is the same. The uh, Protos Nitro has a new uh, main shaft, which uh, we're so one of the things we wanted to do. If you looked at the the, the Protos Max, it's got um, it's got a little like, it's got this really heavy duty lock collar and like some extra bearings, and so we we wanted to like, pull mm-hmm. some weight out there. So we went with a, a, a collared main shaft. Um, so like the original uh, the the Max Legero has like a thrusted bearing down there. So we got we pulled that out. And then we went with we went with this collared shaft. Um, now, I, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I kind of have something against collared shafts because, like, uh, not, not that I've like broken one more than a couple times, but I'm not a huge fan of the collared shaft because it is uh, it can create a weak point. Not mm-hmm. all collared shafts are created equal, so please don't shoot me <laughs> down. Um, so, but I've seen more than my fair share of collared shafts snapped. Okay, so, uh-huh. um, but you know, but the big advantage is you save weight because you don't need like a locking collar somewhere that adds like this and, and once you put a locking collar in that's a lot of weight because it needs to be strong enough to basically handle a lot of the load of the helicopter right mm-hmm. right and so um we basically developed a new uh locking collar that's basically like superheated it's slid onto the shaft and then it cools and so it locks like it's incredibly robust so we have this okay. uh, collar that locks on and so that'll probably eventually find its way to the electric. We'll see, but um, that—that's one of the weight seven, same things we did. Uh, we changed the, the the center aluminum frame, and that's different. But the the head's the same. The, the main gear is different. The tail drive pulley is the same. The landing gear—it's um, going to actually. So we have this Gorilla gear, which is like amazing for guys that botch autos that try yeah. stupid stuff like me. Um, I'm my hand up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like to try crazy stuff. Like, yeah, recently I was trying to do, like again a looping auto where you come in, and you do like a really fast loop, and yep. then while you're in the ascent, you cut it, yep. and then you're peeling off head speed around the apex of the loop, and then you land it. Yeah. So yeah, I've crashed that one a few times. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Gorilla Gear is nice that way. But um, for the nitro, so the electric normally when you store it, you don't have your lipos in it, so it yeah. sits, you know, at like eight something pounds, mm-hmm. pretty light on the skids. Where the nitro, right, like generally empty. It's sitting at like, you know, nine something or 10 pounds, right? Yeah. And so with the Gorilla gear, like that weight on them all the time, you know, it's not like the best thing for flexible landing gear. And so sure. uh, we're using a new material, uh, but still like Gorilla-like, but a bit stiffer for the, and that'll probably find its way into electric too. Uh, but okay. we worked on a new material um, just just for that reason, because the Nitro sits. And, and you know, we don't want guys with saggy landing gear. 
Um, you know, sure. over, over, <laughs> over time, and because of the 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 you know the the flexibleness of it, that's mm-hmm. not a real word, but uh, um, it'll it'll slightly uh, you know it'll slightly just like lose it, it lose its shape, right? right. And so you mm-hmm. could leave it on its head, but we just don't, you know it's just not worth it. So that's a little different. Um, and of course, the mainframes are different because uh, it's you know for the nitro engine, and then but uh, you know, and then you know the whole fuel tank stuff, the clamp, it's using a molded. Uh, Fuel, we're not using any kind of grommet. We use a molded piece of, uh, of plastic to hold the tank in place with a, okay. a clamp. And two screws, the clamp lifts up, and you can pull your tank out because, especially if you're a balloon guy, like a lot of YS guys run balloons. Sure. So mm-hmm. we're very sympathetic to the guys that want to run the balloon. So what that means is you want your tank to come out quick. And so if you if you put a grommet in, you know you basically have this guy like pushing it in and out and wearing out his grommet. So we have we have this quick release thing to so the tank just pops out. You put your new balloon in. You pop it back in, so that that maintenance becomes a little bit easier. Nice. So I mean, just I just think a lot about the 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 hardcore nitro guys, what they live with. Um, also, the fuel lines are kept very short. So you know, one thing, there's some nitros out there that make you like wrap your, you know, your your back pressure or whatever. Your fuel lines get long, and I personally feel like that's suboptimal to performance. So uh, you know, it's kind of like a you know, it's it's like an align style tank very much um there's advantages and disadvantages but basically we have the 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 connection like right right there at the motor and then the 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 back pressure is right at the top of the tank yeah that keeps it super short um the disadvantages um and this is always trade-offs right when you do that way and you make it easy to pull a tank out your 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 clunk line comes a little off center right and so there's therefore there's no perfect length for the clunk line Right, right. Right. And so I've been you know, messing with it for a long. I don't think there's a lot of disadvantage. It's working really well for me. Um, yeah. I mean, it, but, there, but, but there are some guys they'll tell you that sucks because yeah. your clunk isn't centered. So the, you know, if you make the clunk line long enough to reach that far corner. Yeah, you can't reach right? the other corner. And, and it goes <laughs> to the other corner. It doesn't move around freely. So, right. but, you know, it's worked okay on the Align Nitro since the beginning. And, you know, that kind of became the gold standard. So, sure. you know, I, I really like you it have for, uh, you know, a foam clunk line, like the not the line, but the foam clunk itself. Yeah, magnets. The stuff, magnets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just it sucks it all up anyway. Right. Yeah, and and I I would I would agree with the guys that the balloon is like the way mm-hmm. to go, but I and maybe someone needs to make one that doesn't or needs to find the right one that isn't you know a maintenance problem. And there's guys yeah. that'll tell you every ten flights they replace it. Okay, another guy says every thirty. Another guy says every hundred. Right, just right? No standard. So mm-hmm. like, what balloon should I buy? Oh, you're on Amazon, like you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. this is the best black balloon. It totally lasts. Like, so I just I never wanted to mess with it. So I've never run the the bladder, um, but I yeah. certainly admire the guys that do. So yeah, but um, yeah. So I think um, then it's the other thing about the Protoss Nitro. I I hate doing wiring on nitros, especially because uh-huh. every wire is an opportunity for a failure on a nitro. Yeah. Um, you know, the chafing, it's just like I, my yep. skin is crawling, like thinking about every quarter. And so what we did with the electronics on the Protoss Nitro, everything is up front and yep. all the wires are contained. So basically you have the cyclic servos and then very quick route right to the fly barless. And then all the stuff in the front, the servos, the everything is all up front. So there's no like, wiring from the front to the back period mm-hmm. so that makes the wiring like totally simple and brain dead um yeah. and that's always been important like even on the uh the protos max Legero, we have the power bus yeah. um really want to keep it clean because that's just a, a big part of owning the model uh making it easy so yeah, we put a lot of thought into that so the wiring is really easy there yeah i like where the throttle servo is too it's like directly in line with the uh the car yeah yeah it's yeah. not on an angle or anything where you're kind of 
you know, yeah. having to move your your uh, your arm on your carb, you know, to get. Yeah, and, and you know, especially with the servo driving the throttle, like you know, you're mm-hmm. always worried about the asymmetry of it, right? Because yep. your governor kind of expects a certain response for a given input. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we wanted to keep it as simple as possible, and so it's yeah, it's right there, and keep it out of the fuel. So, um, certainly, it was really important to do that. So, uh, yeah, and, uh, let's see what else. The the head is all the same. Uh, mm-hmm. I've just been really happy with the head mechanics on the Proto. So it has a really good feel to it. And so that's something we didn't want to touch. We don't want to mess with that cyclic feel that we already liked. So um, that that's the same. I run the red dampeners on my uh, Protoss Nitro. They've been really good. Let's see. The, the the servos are still on the inner frame. What that means is if you plow it in and you crack a frame, you don't have to pull your servos out generally, which is wow. really important to me. So you can pretty easily pull out a frame side and put it in without having to like rip every servo out and redo the wiring. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's a really nice feature on it. Um, so yeah, I think... Uh, so it shares a lot and it has a lot of differences. I mean, I think we looked at it and uh, wanted to try to build the best nitro. So it's a combination of things. You know, I don't think it's going to be the lightest, but, you know, I think um, it's also a full size 700, right? So for me, the, the Protoss Nitro has a huge presence in the air. Um, it doesn't feel like a 600 with 700 blades, you know? So uh-huh. uh, I like that. You know, I like the big, the bigness, uh, the big floatiness kind of thing. So it's kind of a, a bigger heli. It can fit. Um, like 726 blades, 730 blades on it. Nice. Uh, and so, uh, wow. Yeah. With 115s or 105s on the tail? I, with 115s, but I don't, I personally run 105s on it because I don't want to add extra load because sure. you know, the, the boom is very narrow on it, like a norm, you know, normal boom. So yeah. I, I feel like I don't, I just had no need to put 115s on it. So I got the, the 105s on it. And, you know, actually Nick and, and one of his buddies, uh, at Urcha was telling me, you know, you should, you should really run 710 or bigger. I'm like, what? Like, you know, totally counterintuitive to me because I'm like, why would you do that? It seems like it would load the motor more. He's like, no, no, no. Like, it, like trust me, it rides a pipe better. It gives you better action off center. Um, like, you really uh-huh. want to try longer blades. And uh, prior to that, I'd been running the VTX 697s, um, uh-huh. which, by the way, load the engine far less than traditional blades. Yeah. And so, like, I, you know, in terms of doing really heavy cyclic maneuvers, like, you can do a lot more with that blade than I could with, like, the previous ones I was trying. Mm-hmm. And so um, after Urcha, I got back and I threw some uh, 717 VTXs on it, and I was like in total shock. Like it, it was crazy good. Like it, it, it is like crazy off center like response. And I, I was, mm-hmm. I don't feel like it. It loaded it more for sure, but uh, you got more in return. So you, you could, you could, you could get more out of the helicopter in general. Right. And it wasn't like you were, you know, giving it up. I mean, you could overload it per se maybe easier but um but you could get a lot more out of it and the, and uh-huh. it was just like un, you know that nitro feel which is like unreal off center uh-huh. um and it had that but it was like on steroids with the bigger blades and the engine was like super happy like just like riding we call it riding the pipe right that's where you're basically uh-huh. it just hits that power band and holds it yep. through the maneuver, and it's just like doing that doing that even better so he told me on oh, this is an os advice so you know to and and by the way, I'm sure there's 500 guys that disagree with me. So like you're probably you're probably all right. Like I don't know, but um, you know, he had me run it at 2050 RPM, and it's 8.2 wow. ratio. So it's a little bit outside of the you know uh, of the optimal RPM. But the uh-huh. idea is when you're loading it heavily, like my style, I tend to always be loading it. Um, like it's it's right at that happy RPM range. Yeah. Uh, with the bigger blade. So it, it just like is insane, insane, like monster performance, especially when I had the better pipe on it. It was like unreal, like super fun. Uh, so 
Yeah, so it fits longer blades. So I think it's something is a nitro guy, really fun to experiment with different blades and how it affects the performance. Uh, I don't think you should settle on just trying one blade. I think uh, it's really a profound impact on the performance. So definitely mm-hmm. it's fun that this particular nitro, uh, you can try any size you want. Yeah, that's great. It's really fun. When's it coming out? So, you know, uh, the, the plan has been late November, December. So, you know, with any kit, like, Mm-hmm. It, it depends on the on every supplier delivering on time. So sure. I, I think we're still on track for that, like late November, December. But you know, it could could slip. It, you mm-hmm. know, it could hold. It kind of just depends on on what happens uh, with all the suppliers. But you know, I think I think it'll I think it'll hit this year. You know, worst case, it could hit January. I think we're off season anyway. So, um, you know, just in time for Christmas. Yeah. But I think there's other, other good competition out there too. So, you know, certainly can't fall asleep at the wheel. Right. So, um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we're, we're not boutique. We're certainly like, you know, uh, like, you know, like a high volume sort of target, but you know, we are also, you know, not a a giant, huge company either, which, which is actually one of the things I love about MSH, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's possible their guys can beat us to the market. Um, at the end of the day, it's up to, up to what guys want, you know, if they like our ideas and uh, what we're trying to do or with the other guy, it's, it's all good. You know, it's all interesting stuff, but, uh, we're also very, um, we have a different test methodology too. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm knowledgeable about what every company does, but we're really engineering focused. And so uh, we look at things and figure out how to break them and we go out and make sure we can break them to understand where the limits are, right? We don't just fly it around and say, oh, yeah, that's good. It's like, okay, now what are we going to do to to blow this thing up? You know, what do we got to do to make a boom strike? What do we got to do? Give it Um, to me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and what Uh, I've seen those protos go through some (laughs) some crazy punishment. Yeah. And survive so that's awesome and survive mm-hmm. really well yeah i mean yeah, you know with, with, with every helicopter i've ever flown msh or other brands like there's limits and um it's really good to know where they are mm-hmm. right not, it's not to say that you can always find it right but you really got to try and i think that's really important and you know like knowledge like this like i know that like on our links to our head the pull strength is at 400 kilograms right um and like you know there's like things like that what what is the yield point for these pieces of the helicopter and okay what okay overspeeds right like uh what is the maximum overspeed a guy i can do like i like i've i've tried and the one problem with overspeeds is you can't log it because yeah, the it's free. It, it, yeah right. the one way is disengage so mm-hmm. I like you know on video i'm like trying i'm literally you've taken audacity and done mm-hmm. like the the FFT and the Fourier transform. You can like you can literally extract the head speed from your overspeed from a video. So I, I'd like literally extracted my overspeeds from video to see where I was at. Um, and so like my my hardest effort, I think I was hitting like thirty five hundred RPM on a seven hundred, wow. right? Wow. But I, but I've clocked like Merco hitting over thirty eight hundred. Mm. Right. Oh, so, so there, there, there's this less than 25 year old, <laughs> his right. limit is a little bit different than like, I'm, I am so scared at 3,500 and like a good overspeed where you turn and look at an event is probably mm-hmm. hitting 32, 33. Right. Like, Whoa, that was a good one. That's yeah. kind of that range. Um, but that guy would hit, you know, and it probably Duncan and, you know, so, you know, so like the, on the tail is one interesting thing. Like when you design a tail, what is the RPM that the tail should withstand running the heaviest 115 tail blades? Right. So right. like our target is 4,500 RPM like or more like some we need safety margin at 4,500. 
So we had uh-huh. safety margin at 4,500 on the tail. That's what we targeted. And there's actually one point where we like changed the mold on the tail to increase to that number. Right. Cause like, okay, you know, it, you know, yeah. is 4,000 enough? No, it needs to be more. So that's the kind of thinking that we do is engineer, engineer pilots, I think. Uh, and I think it's also one of the things that uh, differentiates our designs because, you know, yeah, you know, you get good pilots flying your stuff and those guys are amazing and I'm sure they give great feedback and maybe some are even engineers and they do the same thing we do. But, um, you know, I, I look at it from, from that point of view. And so, you know, that's, that's the way we do stuff. So, um, so with the Protoss Nitro, we're looking at it that way too. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you, you know, it's great to have fantastic pilots fly or stuff, but I think, you know, it's a, maybe a different guy that, uh, has that view of how to destroy everything and, you know, comes up with a, a test plan of what to do and what to execute to really give it that, that, uh, that robust margin and not leave anything to chance. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we're perfect or anything, of course not, but, um, you know, we really try uh, on that respect. Awesome. So the science behind it. Sweet, man. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So Protoss Nitro, I've been loving it and I'm, I'm getting a lot better at tuning now, you know, that people aren't laughing at all my videos now, like, like I'm <laughs> <laughs> cooking nails. So I'm getting a lot more sensitive to nitro tuning and, uh, sure. really fun. And the interesting thing about it is a nitro, it makes a lot less power. So, um, you know, it's actually harder to break it. Um, which, you know, so that's why I tend to take parts and put them on the electric, uh, mm-hmm. you know, here, here and there just to, you know, like the new boom, like we just like, you know, okay, put it on an electric and run 2400 RPM and try to blow it up, right? Um, you know, well, okay, so Treek set a new standard, by the way. So the new RPM is 2700. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> he's literally, have you seen it lately? He's flying everything at 2700. I, I had to do the video analysis. Oh he's been God. flying stuff at 2700 RPM continuous. So uh, that's just that's just crazy, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think the, the old crazy was 2400. Yeah. Right? When you saw a guy flying 2400, you were scared. You would hide, you know, you'd hide behind something. And now the new crazy is 2700. There you go, Steve. Gives you something to shoot for. Uh, yeah, so. And 2200 is not enough, huh? Got to crank it up. I'm at 19. I haven't even broken 2000 yet. <laughs> <laughs> what are we looking at, do you think? I mean, I don't know if you can disclose this, but an MSRP for your, for the Nitro. Yeah, so I think the, you know, one of the, the things, so... So 1050 is the target, not officially. Mm-hmm. And 10, 1050 is with a brain 2 HD. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, you know, it's also controversial. We really see a lot of value in, in the, the brain 2 bringing into the kit uh, mm-hmm. and also like getting a lot of guys into it. I know, like, you know, you're uh, a V control guy, and that's totally cool. Like, I'm sure in some cases it annoys people. Um, but I think, like, for MSH, it's a, it's a big deal for us because for us, we're, you know, it's, it's a really good system, and the uh, we like to to expose more people to it. So um, mm-hmm. the HD also is really optimized for uh, nitro. Have you seen the HD? So the the mm-hmm. Brain Two HD has a separate power bus on it. Yeah. And so the idea is you plug in your receiver pack, and you don't have to keep disconnecting it, fatiguing the connector, and pissing yourself off. You leave it plugged in, and it's got a, a fail on switch. So the idea mm-hmm. is there's a big power fat inside the Brain 2 HD. All the current passes through this to the servo bus. None of the current passes through the external switch. And so even right. if that switch falls off your helicopter, your helicopter keeps flying. It fails on, right. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And so it's a really nice convenience thing. So we're, they were putting that in the kit. So basically it's 1050 uh, with the uh, Brain 2 HD. Yeah. And if you don't want it, you know, you, you sell it for 100 bucks, and that's your set of blades. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, however you want to look at it. Yeah, and yeah. I say mo- most guys are totally happy with that. And sure, mm-hmm. some guys will tell you I won't buy the helicopter because of it, and you know that makes me oh, sad. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's well, ridiculous. Come I know, on. But it, I know, but it happens. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I think I think it's a bother to some guys to go in the forums and sell it, right? Um, and I, you know, I totally respect that too, and like sure. I understand. But also for us, it's like some something that you know we've got so many years on this, and we really think it's great, and so it adds a lot of uh, value to the kit because that's a two hundred dollar flight control system, right? To fewer to go buy it. So, sure, you know, yeah. that, that makes the, the effective price of the kit a lot more approachable uh, yeah. and allows us to, to introduce a lot of really high quality parts into the kit, too, because, you know, we, I think MSH to this point is, is a really high end kit and uh, it's less and less interest to try to go uh, attack the budget end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like diminishing returns. And the market is you know, the heli market is quite small uh, in general. I mean, I think it's a very healthy size, but I think it's not huge. And I think guys that want a great 700 or want a great 700 nitro aren't necessarily concerned about a hundred bucks here and there. Um, you know, it's like, right. so, so I think with the Protoss nitro, we really wanted to make something innovative and different, but also directly appeal to the hardcore nitro guy. And so that meant it wasn't going to try to, you know, be a, a $600 kit, just no way or $700 kit. Um, and, and I think the boom reflects that direction a little bit, right? Cause that's a very nice boom and we still have a, a way for you to go with the cheap boom, but, you know, but we wanted to really build something special. So I, you know, we think 1050 is right there in terms of a, a, you know, a, a hot, like a, a high end nitro and you still in the market, you've got nitros that are going to go cheaper that are still going to be good kits, but you know, just a different approach. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I want to get one. Cool. Good to hear. I love it. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So I think uh, I'm super picky. I, you know, I don't I don't hate stuff per se, but like, you know, I find faults in everything. So, sure. you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying this thing. Like, and, and not that I would say if I wasn't, obviously, because I'm so biased, but I, I really I really <laughs> wouldn't. I really I, I mean, you know, I, I have built models that I, I don't want to ship. Just put it that right. way. Right. Like I've built prototypes that, you know, I, I'm not I'm not interested in bringing to market yet until they're where they need to be. So at least, you know, I me and the other guys, you know, working on these things really, you know, when we bring it to market, we really believe in it. And if it ends up taking more time, it takes time, sure. you know, and, I, and if you look at great helis in the market, you know, um, I think you'll see similar approaches to stuff that to guys, you know, really involved in it like that. They'll, they'll wait if they need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you see MSH in the future? Well, I think, you know, I think um, there's a, an electronic side to MSH and mm-hmm. then there's airframe side. And I think, you know, the company is kind of, uh, 50 50 that way right and so um and also the the company structured in a way to where uh it doesn't have a excessive overhead so you know i think it's like the perfect company for the where our hobby is right um you know our our, our hobbies uh you know not small but it's you know it's 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 pretty niche i think in general uh-huh. um maybe it grows maybe it contracts but i think msh is really designed for that sort of uh, thing so i think you'll see coming out of us um you know, like new models and innovation and, and trying to change things in the hobby. And I think if you look at the last two years of history, uh, I think we've dropped some bombs. Hopefully some people see it that way, you know, with what brain has been able to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like I think the telemetry shocked a lot of people, um, yeah. you know, th- how we did it. It wasn't that we were the first, but it was how we implemented it and what we brought. Um, 
you know, the, the whole brain to telemetry thing was really neat. And so, you know, and, and the integration, we weren't the first, but we've found ways to do it with, with the telemetry and with the, the transmitter integration that was just a little bit different than everybody else. So um, I think, you know, we, we're on that path. We're just, you know, we're a group of engineers that love the hobby that keep trying to, you know, innovate and, and contribute. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully you guys feel that way. The stuff that we come out with in the future tries to do that in some way. So um, I don't know. I, I love the hobby. And I think, whether it was MSH or another company, like it's really fun to contribute. And so, uh, you know, MSH is my way to, to contribute back to the hobby. And the hobby has been a huge part of my life for years. So um, I, I just love it. I love being in the community um, and, you know, talking with the guys. And, and that's actually one area where, um, you know, not that it's a good or bad thing, but, you know, I, I think a lot of companies have distanced themselves from the guys, you know. Yeah. And I can, I totally don't blame them because it can be tough out there, right? Um, you know, when you stick your head out, you know, it can be good and bad. Um, but I, like, I, I just don't mind it. You know, um, I, I like being out there and being approachable and, you know, yeah, I'm one of the guys that works on the stuff. Also, if you, if you send me a message, let's chat, um, you know, and, you know, and I think that's just, that's really fun. Uh, I'm in the forums a lot. I like that stuff. And um, other companies don't really do that. They kind of leave it to someone else. And, um, I think that's, that kind of differentiates MSH a little bit. Um, because you know, you have direct access to the guys doing the, the engineering. And, you know, if you, if you tell me something you don't like, you know, I, I, you know, I can literally go discuss it and change it. Right. Um, and that, mm-hmm. that and that directness I think has helped really differentiate us. And so like, you know, the Protoss Max Ligero, you know, when we came out with the V2, it was just this awesome, robust hell. You loved it. Um, and then, you know, year after everyone started really attacking weight. And so literally, yeah. you, you couldn't talk about the Protoss without someone just ripping on it for weight. didn't mm-hmm. matter how it flew or how good it was. It, nobody wanted to talk about anything other than weight. And so, you know, that heli at that time, I think mine was sitting at like 12.8 pounds or something. Some guys had 13-pound setups. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it just like it was endless discussion. And so, you know, we really focused on, well, what can we do to keep the same robust model, no compromises, and, and get it down to a 12-pound or, you know, heli? Mm-hmm. It, the 11 pound becomes difficult because then you're really making compromises and we wanted yeah. something that you could just really destroy, you know, not mm-hmm. really hammer on, right? just hammer on, you know, go crazy with, mm-hmm. um, and just not, and have no maintenance. Right. Cause to me, anything that's high maintenance is a, is a failure. Like I hate wrenching. So, you know, so it's kind of that sweet spot. And so that's, I think where the, the Protoss Max Ligero went. So we worked on that. And so, you know, we, we're really sensitive to what guys think uh, and what they want. So, um, you know, and so the nitro is similar, you know, really paying attention to what guys want and what, what's important to them. And so I think, you know, that's what we really tried to build. So it's like this mix of different things, right? Okay. Yeah. You know, maybe this other model is a little bit lighter or this one, you know, looks different or, you know, but I think we tried to hit, you know, what we thought was the perfect thing, but you know, at the end of the day, you guys decide, you know, what's great, what isn't. So you know, it's always fun to see what the guys think when they finally get it. Yep. Nice. Even though we had the little questionnaire in the beginning part of the episode, we have a segment called Top 10. So this is a quick 10 questions, um, just kind of getting your judgment on like what kind of stuff that you like. Uh, um, so we're going to just kind of blast these off and you let me know your answer. All right. All right. This, is feel, this feels like Jeopardy. <laughs> and it's, it's sort of, but you don't have to put it as a question. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So pinch your thumb. Uh, so I thumb. I think, I think, okay. I think thumbing is, is awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't think you lose any precision. I'm not saying I'm not the most precise pilot in the world. I really try. I think in the last year I've focused less on like, uh, like 
going crazy. Like I used to just be going crazy, and I and I I've worked more on like making my stops clean and mm-hmm. that stuff. Not so you know not and not just working on new maneuvers, but like taking what I had and trying to make it cleaner. Um, sure. But I feel like um, there's no disadvantage to thumb. I know like uh, like Jesse and Kyle both do a hybrid. They they pinch yep. um, the collective and they thumb the cyclic. And mm-hmm. you know the reason was to get more precise um, uh, uh, collective. Yeah, because like the collective is one of those things where if you don't nail it, your helicopter bounces on the stop and it right. looks off. It looks horrible. So I think that's why they did that. Actually, mm-hmm. lately in the last six months, I've switched to adding like 10% expo on my pitch. Okay. And I know it sounds really weird, but the idea is I'm opening up the sweet spot uh, a little bit for nailing stops because perfect stops is really a function of muscle memory and uh, perception of, of speed of yeah. the model. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a craft. I mean, like, you know, Tariq is a guy who's nailed this craft. Right. Yep. And also like I do a lot of transitions where I'm zero collective and, I, and I'm doing interesting, um, transitions of the model, like having, having no collect, no collective input and rolling on its axis. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like that stuff. Um, and so it kind of opened a sweet spot, but it has no real impact on anything else. And so I started right. doing that and really, really helped me. So I, I suggest to guys like never stop messing around with your setups. Because if you're a thumber and you're looking at a guy that's doing super precise flying as pinching, there's things you can do like changing your tension, changing your expo to where you, uh-huh. you can be just as precise. So, you know, yeah. I think there's I think there's no winner on that. All right. Yeah. Cool. Nitro or electric? Uh, well, electric. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's nothing that's going to replace the insane adrenaline of, you know, flying around electric and like just having endless maneuvers, you know, with, with total collective neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I like a lot of rolling maneuvers, like rolling funnels, yeah. rolling circuits, and I'm just using insane amount of cyclic and I can, I can, uh, or like really like crazy pure TikToks, pure, all that stuff. And I can do them on the nitro, but you got to change the tempo a bit. Yeah. And so, um, and, yeah, and that's, that's, that's a, a little, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the cool thing with nitro is like, how do you keep your flights intense on a nitro without being in, as intense? With right. the flying electric, it's like you kind of get this free ticket. You get this intensity because of the power and speed you can generate instantly. So, but uh, so I still love the adrenaline and 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 the power style of flying, you know, um, with the electric. And so, you know, I'll t- but you know, I love nitro now too. Uh, you know, it, but um, I'll, I'll fly maybe at an event five to one electric nitro, kind of like that. Okay, cool. Five fifty or seven hundred size. Uh, you know. If, if, assuming that a field is not part of the, mm-hmm. the condition, um, yep. I mean, you know, this point in my flying, I really like the 700 because I'm exploring the total envelope of auto rotations, flying presentation, like, you know, using space, like how effectively can I use the flying field? Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to just fly in a little area. I don't want to fly so far away. I like, to, you know, and like 700 is awesome for that. Um, and the sound, um, but like you know, coming up in the hobby, I loved the 550 uh, yeah. and 600 size. Like it was just mm-hmm. my my happy place. Like, yeah. All my maneuvers, like I just loved it. So um, I, I'll give it to a 700. But like I feel like this 550, 570, 600 size mm-hmm. is is awesome. But you know, I think there's this battle going on with uh, 6s versus more 12s. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and I I don't know. I'm not totally on board with. Uh, you know, 550 success on anything at this point, or 520, I start to come on board, but I, like in my uh-huh. experience flying 500, 520, I still kept on killing packs. Sure. Um, 
So I kind of like it's a it's a weird space for me. So I'm, okay. I I kind of feel like 570 is more interesting these days than mm-hmm. uh, a 520 because right. uh, it has the option to 12s. So the mm-hmm. guy that really wants to you know wants hard harder performance uh, that can almost that can replace the excitement of a 700 like the 570 is way better than yeah. like a 520. And then the 550 is this weird spot where the, the loading is too much for 12s. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's just way too much for 6s to really consistently fly it, you know, that way. So right. I don't know. As if I had to pick, I'm, I'm more in the 570, uh, 600 camp because you can get the the real high flight performance out of it. You just, if you watch a, a nice light 550 fly around, it's not the same as a, as a high performance 700, right? It, nope. it can be an incredible flight, especially if it's a technical pilot that you're just in awe of, but it doesn't have that intensity, but a 570 does that's on 12 S. So uh-huh. I feel like, I, that's what I would gravitate towards, but there's kind of a, a, a lipo pack problem. Like there's 3,300s, but like a, like a 2,900 would be like perfect, mm. you know, and that's kind of missing right now, but you know, sure. no, no, no battery vendors really stepped up. Uh-huh. Fly bar or fly barless. <laughs> no, we were going to change that to, do you know what fly bar is? Oh yeah. Do you know what a <laughs> well, yeah. first plate 400 was? Yeah. Yeah. I flew on. I mean, it's like uh, there's there's a really cool feel to to uh, fly bar mm-hmm. that um, especially if you could do pirouetting uh, maneuvers like pirouette steering mm-hmm. um, in fly bar where it had this momentum feel um, where you get the maneuver and it would really flow. And uh, back when I first got the first fly barless system, um, you know, very robotic and it required a lot more control to make it look clean. And some systems, even to this day, are a lot like that. And and you can master them and fly in competition, and that's fine. But, like, you know, there's also it's, – it's really hard, but in software, you can really give it that flow nowadays. And I think that's why I gravitated towards the the brain. The brain – so every system kind of has a signature feel. And, and you know, and that can be a strength for a lot of guys. And to some guys, it's a weakness. And so some systems are, are very robotic and guys try it and they love it. Oh, man, it's just so locked in. And like to, you know, to me, it could be like, oh, God, it's like so hard to, 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 to fly. And actually, those guys that like that really locked in feel, you often hear them struggling to learn Piro 3D. And that's, that's a lot of reason why, because it, cr- it creates a lot of problems in the flowing steering maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Um, so brain out of the box tends to be very natural, but it can be made robotic. You just change the setting, but like, you know, and also like when you set up brain, like on sport or, or, you know, setting it, it automatically steers you towards robotic and you can make it even more robotic. But if you set it up for 3d, it's like automatically natural. And so there's a lot of guys that like that. And a lot of guys are like, well, no way it's not robotic enough. So kind of, kind of interesting. So I, I like fly wireless a lot more now um, because the systems are, are, can be very natural and flowing. Sure. Uh, scale or 3d? I mean, 3d uh, scale is really cool. I have mad respect for those guys um, for the detailed work they do. Uh-huh. Um, but like, you know, I, I love 3d flying uh, and, and trying to make interesting flights, you know, and, uh, like seeing maneuvers and being like trying to figure them out. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's just tons of fun. So, yep. um, the scale is cool. Like I, I love looking at, at good scale ships, uh, and those guys are amazing pilots to, you know, fly them the way they do. So, sure. Uh, strap or strapless. I like the strap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, okay. you know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I 
I don't know what it's one of those things you can get used to either one, but strap for me. Um, the other thing though, with strap is like when I'm really intense in a flight, I could be putting a lot of weight on my neck uh, and that's bad. So I think, you know, it's when you have a strap, you need to learn to relax, especially when you're flying, you know, an intense maneuver in front of a lot or a flight uh, in front of a lot of people, you know, you tend to get really too intense. So mm-hmm. it's like, for me, a lot of times I'm working out, okay, I need to be breathing. I need to relax. Then I have my best flights. It's amazing. Like a lot of times if I'm, I've, I've flown center stage at Urcha, not that I'm the best pilot, but I've been in that situation a lot. And, um, you know, like I literally tell the guy standing next to me, just keep telling me to breathe. And my flights come out way better because a lot of times when you're flying, you're intense, like your body mm-hmm. just doesn't, doesn't breathe as much. Yeah. And I think a, a strap you know, is another problem where the tension, if you start building tension in a flight, you start pulling on your neck. And I think that's for me an indication that I need to like l- relax and loosen up. So, uh, but yeah, I'm a, a strap guy. Um, you asked me this <laughs> cordless or brushless servos. <laughs> oh yeah. The, the question, you know, I think, um, I think that, you know, in the, a lot, maybe a couple of years ago, cordless servos, you know, had, uh, and just by the nature of how the motor is designed, mm-hmm. uh, and the way the speed control works, like everyone was saying, you know, okay, cordless gives you better response. Uh, I feel like the modern brush servos give you, uh, better reliability and similar off center feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reliability is a big one to me because I've been through many servo failures and it's like catastrophic and scary to me. Sure. Um, not that cordless can't be plenty reliable. I'm not saying they're not reliable, but mm-hmm. I've had enough of my own personal doubt with them. I just won't really mess with them as much. Um, so I, I, I just like the brushless and you know the, the current profiles, uh, the way they can customize how they feel nowadays. Um, they also have like things like uh, boot up uh, protection. So like uh-huh. the servos are right now with like the experts, if let's say I forget to, I turn on my Helia by accident and I've got the blade holder still on, it'll, yeah. it'll detect that it's binding and it won't damage, you know, the, the, the servos right. or the, or the back. So it's just stuff like that. Oh, um, cool. so yeah, I, so I, I just, I like brushless. I, you know, for me, I don't see a difference and the cost is not really a factor. I just want, I just want to fly the best stuff. Uh-huh. I'm at that point. I'm flying, I just don't want to mess around. So um, you know, but I do try a lot of different stuff. Like I've, I've tried all, a lot of different cordless servos. So, you know, um, but I'm, I'm just kind of happy with the brushless at this point. Yeah. Okay. Number eight, fuselage style or pot and boom. So in, in this example, you could talk about like a Leggero versus an Evolution. Well, so an Evo is not a fuselage. So yeah, it's uh, not, but it's, I know, you know. I, I, because you fly MSH, it's it's hard to <laughs> say, yeah. okay, goblin style or pot and boom, you know? No, so they can I, ask. You can ask me anything <laughs> you want. Uh, no, I, I try. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I would say, um, yeah, I'm a guy that loves um, pure writing stuff. And so pure consistency is critical to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, anything that hinders that bugs me. Sure. So I would say, um, you know, if I'm not picking on a heli, like, yeah, seriously not. Um, but like, you know, if you have a, a, a wide boom, you know, mm-hmm. it's great because it makes it visible. The trade off is it's going to impact pure consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, may force you to the bigger tail blades or other things to try to fix that, you know, or, you know, to, to counter it. And so, um, because of that, I really prefer a, a, a low profile boom. Um, just because of, I, I love doing like high speed pure loops. Like I used to do them a lot more, but like literally full collective, just scary. Um, Jacob used to do them. We called it pure constrictor. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen, mm-hmm. but he stayed full collective through the whole pure loop. And maybe it was a, a 15 foot, maybe more than that, but maybe a 25 foot diameter pure loop, uh, side into himself. 
you did this in competition. Most insane thing, right? And so when you start doing this high speed pirouetting stuff, like a pure consistency is something you get really sensitive to. So I, I don't I don't want I don't want anything to hinder it. So I tend to support. Yeah, you know, I like the pot and boom uh, better for that. Um, sure. The visibility, but the trade off is visibility, right? So uh-huh. um, you know when you have a bright boom, a lot of guys love it because it makes the the model look bigger in the air. Yeah. So and then there's some happy medium in between that. Uh-huh. Um, 6s or 12s. Uh, well, it's a, it depends on the model, right? So, yeah. um, so for me, the way, I, so I think, okay, part of that question comes down to how do you charge? Right. Um, uh-huh. and, and I think, okay, you know, I know a lot of guys say I want success cause I don't want to deal with 12 S and so I, I see the world totally different. So, so here's my charging setup. I, I, uh, charge in a giant smoker grill for fire protection. Right. And, uh, I've got a 4010 duo uh-huh. and I, I just believe in parallel charging. And so what I, what I do is I've got, uh, two outputs, right? So channel one, channel two, and I've got yep. six, six leads coming out of each one. So I can charge 12 batteries at the same time. Wow. So, right. Damn. So what, yeah, why not? Right. Yeah. So, so here's my, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. so, so when I go fly, if I'm just going to go, if I just have an hour to fly, I know I can uh-huh. do about six flights uh, on my 700. So what I do is I charge 12 packs in about 50 minutes all at once. Uh-huh. Right. And so what I do is I just put them on this, in this, in this smoker grill and I hook up 12 packs, right. Uh, hook up, I hook up, hook up all of the charger leads in parallel, all, all of the, uh, the, you know, balance leads in parallel done. Uh-huh. That takes me like, less than a minute to get all of them hooked up. No big deal. Uh, and then I fire off each channel at 30 amps. Right. And so boom, you know, an hour later, all my packs are done. I go, and then these are like, to me, these are like success packs. I go out mm-hmm. and I go, I go fly six packs and I'm done. So to me, there's no difference between flying success or 12 S other than the mm-hmm. cost, but you're flying a 700, whatever. It's just, you know, it's a, if the cost isn't the issue. I don't care. Yeah. So, so I, I like 12 S, uh, versus success because, you know, it, 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 there was no charger implication for me because I can charge it. Now I can uh-huh. charge 12 packs at once for a 6S machine, but I'm never going to do like, I don't want to do 12 flights. So for, for me, like six flights, after I do six flights, there's uh-huh. almost no return after that in terms of like practicing, right? right. There's nothing. Like my brain isn't learning anything new. Um, yeah. So like uh, binge flying. Like swimming past 30 minutes, you're just fooling around at that point. Yeah. My first three <laughs> flights is where I'm learning all the new stuff. You uh-huh. know? And then after that, like it's just goofing off so yeah um so yeah 12s nice all right and the final question here urcha or smaller event uh oh totally a smaller event um Mm -hmm. i mean like i i i really like urcha but like you know now i'm a vendor so and i've been on both sides now right so i've been sure i've been like okay first time at urcha see what it's like and be overwhelmed and be and always flying off to the side feeling embarrassed about my flying to like, you know, being a sponsored pilot flying center stage to now like owning a company and introducing new products. So I've kind of like now seen all of it. Um, mm-hmm. As a vendor, it's really cool because you get to, you know, meet all the customers um, and help everybody. And so like, you know, at Urcha, I'm literally all over the place. It's actually really a problem for me because I want to help everybody, but then I'm also a pilot, right? right. So like <laughs> my pilot side wants to get out there and just fly nonstop, right? Mm-hmm. Get, you know, like I'm flying center stage, I'm flying in front of my booth. I want to go out and fly. The other part is like I'm helping like a million guys with brain out there, 
right? Like it's I don't I don't I don't I mean I really don't know the numbers, but it seemed like everyone there is like flying this brain thing, and I'm just like so I'm just like talking to everybody, helping them with setup. A lot of guys like will set up their heli, just bring it to Urchik because they want someone to help them maiden it, and mm-hmm. just totally awesome. So I'm just like it goes by so fast. I'm so busy. And, and, and in this last search, I'm like setting up a booth. I'm introducing a new model. I'm trying to drive some stuff on, on social media. I'm like, you know, I got my pilots there. Um, I've got all my buddies I want to catch up with. Um, I want to go see guys fly. I mean, this is the only time of the year where you get to see all these Europeans and, uh, U S got U S guys. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'm in awe. I want to go watch these guys fly. Um, so it's like, you know, it's, it's just too much, you know? So, uh, and then the exact opposite RCHN five totally laid back. Every guy is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, just having like conversations, partying at night, like relaxing. Uh, I brought my family this time. So you have my, uh, my kids there, my wife there, um, just bonding with everybody, enjoying it. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like a real, you know, heli vacation. Yeah. Um, of course I'm still helping guys left and right. Like, you know, it seemed like maybe I did like five or six, I mean, you know, it, like brain icon was like everywhere there. So, you know, it was really fun to talk with each guy and get their feedback. It was just endless. I think, you know, there's a huge protos presence in the Northwest. Um, and maybe because like I have a lot, a lot of guys up there and I've been going to this event for years. Um, so it's like kind of like a reunion. Um, so it's just like a, a, a awesome time. Uh, and, and I'm not stressed out, uh, where like at Urcha, it's really hard to go out and go, you know, go do all the stuff and then go center stage in front of like a whole audience and try to do a good flight. Right. right. really, really hard. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of like you kind of just do the best you can and all, you know, and hope you don't embarrass yourself kind of situation. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, I smaller. Embarrass my, <laughs> I embarrass yeah. myself every time I take off. Yeah. I've kind of <laughs> lost my ego a long time ago. I just hope, I just hope for a good flight. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. people say good flight. Okay. That's a success. All right. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> awesome. All right. So that wraps that up. <clears throat> Uh, let's move to news and announcements. News, news, and announcements. Uh, Fred's sleeping there. It's all right. Helly, 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 helly. Unmute, unmute. So, what do you got for a news and announcement? Yeah. Oh wait, I, I do have news and announcements. Heffy, which is the Hodges Hobbies All Electric Fly-In. Uh, it's their big fall event that's coming up on the 12th, 13th, and 14th of October. I'm hoping to get up there. Another thing, if you're into to the RC swap meet type thing, uh, the Perry swap meet in Perry, Georgia, has the registration for tables is open. That's going to be in March uh, 2nd and 3rd of 2018. Nice. Is that nice. usually a heavy-duty swap meet? That It's, it's these three giant uh, buildings with... Rows and rows and rows of tables. I don't know if you remember last year I went and posted a bunch of pictures from it. Yes, yeah, I, remember I remember the large mm-hmm. helicopters. Yes. The, the yes. scale helicopters that were there. That that place is, is massive and it's just probably literally a mile or two of, of you know, vendors. So Damn. if you lined all those tables up, I'm sure it's got to be that. Wow. Cool. Awesome. And I put in here that we have a South Jersey fun fly. Yep. Coming in uh, October. Yep. October 13th to 14th, right? Yep. October 13th, 14th, 15th at the Allen Airstrip, uh, 231 Landing Street, Southampton Township, New Jersey. 080, wait, 08088. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, our friend Rob McClellan is co-CDing it. They got it all pretty much set up. Pretty so last if the weather minute. sucks, it's his fault? Sure. 
No, no, right, it's, it's the other CD's fault. All right. It's Chad's fault. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it should be some good times. It's a um, three-day event, you know, camping, on-site, primitive camping, and all that fun stuff. You know, I saw Bill's video on it, on a little demo on like, you know, uh, kind of, not a demo, but an advertisement for the fun fly. And at the end, he put in uh, on the screen, bring a jacket. And I was thinking, well, Bill, that's you bring a jacket to every event. Well, not even a jacket. He brings like a onesie Carl Hart <laughs> to every yeah. event. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit later in the year than normal, but it's gonna be. It's 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 always good times. I've actually gone to it the last last two years. Yeah, I went yep. the first year with uh, Anthony, and was, we only did a day trip, and then that last year we did a day trip with you. So yeah. You know, it's good flying. There's that yeah. that scale, uh, that full size. What is it? Steerman. The Steerman, the PT seventeen. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, the full size that's parked there. That I heard. You know, throw him a couple of bucks, he'll take you up in it, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the Allens who own the airfield also, you know, the ones that do breakfast every morning and the pilots dinner on Saturday. So, so nice. That's yeah. when I'm going Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably gonna shoot for maybe all three, or maybe just Saturday and Sunday. We'll see. Okay. But cool. All right. And what else do we have? I wrote flight test video. Actually, Jeff, the guy that used to be on the podcast with us back in the early day, sent me a text, and he said, "Did you see the flight test video of Josh Bixler in the Red Bull plane?" And I said, "No." And he said, "You have to watch it. It's amazing." So if you haven't seen it. Go watch it because it's freaking amazing. Josh Bixler is just a passenger, mm-hmm. but the flight this guy takes is insane. Literally crazy, man. It's insane. He, I don't even want to tell you what he does, but you'll be like, holy crap. <laughs> All right. Got to go check that out. So awesome. check that video out. It's on YouTube. Nice. Uh, do we have anything else? That's all I got. I could talk about West Coast events. I don't know. Is, yeah, that, is, that, is, 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 is that allowed? No, no, for sure. If you got something coming up, yeah. yeah. I'm hey, joking. joking. Uh, so we have the um, – we used to have the Heli Freak Fun Fly. I don't know if you guys remember. Mm-hmm. They used to go on. Um, and that's kind of ended now. I mean, you've got the new owners of Heli Freak. But um, at one point, we moved it from Southern California to Northern California to Anderson. And uh, so that club in Anderson is no longer the Heli Freak Fun Fly, but they're having a, a, a nice fun fly. It's an awesome field. It's like huge – the weather is always great up there and you know you can like park your rv it's really nice so that's happening the 12th through 15th of this month and so i'm, I'm headed up to that that's maybe a four-hour drive for me and then cool uh then uh jc is uh putting on i think another uh heli rodeo out in uh, arizona mm-hmm. and and that's i think uh next month and so that's usually a great event i went to that last year all those guys are awesome we have a, a really good time at night and a lot of pros show up for that. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you remember like this famous uh, Kyle Stacy video uh, where he's flying the uh, the three bladed goblin. Like uh, Kyle Stacy. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> he knows. He, he, I think he just wants you to try to say three times. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. I like saying it. Yeah, he does have a nice name. It's like it's like two first names. You can't go wrong with that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, you remember that that flight where it was like. Uh, too low, no way, or whatever it was that that mm-hmm. was that was at the heli rodeo. So okay. you know, so that's you know, okay. so there's so I think that event became really popular from that from then on. And last year I went and hung out with Nick Maxwell, Jamie, a bunch of guys were there. Uh, ben was there. Like a line came out for the whole thing. So mm-hmm. um, 
and then just met a ton of other guys and I have a bunch of friends out there. A bunch of Gowie guys are out there. Uh, you know, actually a ton of Gowie guys, um, because you know, JC lives out there. Yep. Um, so it's a really fun event. So if you guys are near Arizona and you want some warm weather, that's a super cool place to go. Nice. All right. Let's yeah. uh, move to what's next for you in the hobby. What's next for you, Steve? <laughs> so this Saturday's our club picnic, which I hope fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been the four or fifth time rescheduled. Yeah. Hopefully we don't have another Trump uh, flight restriction. But yeah, um, they also have they're also having a, a what is it a pattern fun fly during the morning part of the day. Yeah. So I figure I guess I'll fly some plank, planks, you know, uh, I'll take my cub out, my little 81 inch uh, nitro cub and my uh, my kunai, the Great Plains kunai, the little warm liner and just, you know, mess around with that for a little bit. And then I'll bring out my helicopters later in the day and smack that around. Cool. Um, also, I might be picking up my scale heli that day too. So, oh, yeah, very Eight, nice. Seven hundred size belt two twenty two. It should be interesting. Nice. Are you building it? Building it from a kit or? No, it's pre built. It's used. Um, it's not complete nice. though. So I gotta probably put some time and money into it and kind of work it up. But I'm getting it at like a steal. So. Oh really? Uh, nice. Yeah. So, so it should be cool. How about you, Kevin? Uh, I want to fly something this weekend. Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, and hopefully back at the club because I'm, I'm I want to I got the jet ready. Oh my jet boy, is fixed. Yes, so I want to hopefully fly that thing, and I want to get my two eighty five, uh, the oxy two eighty five ready. I, you got me those. I finally got those parts mm-hmm. for that. So uh, yeah, want to get that going. Nice. I'm actually anxious to fly that after flying the little guy for a long time, and I've never flown it uh, with two blades. It's always been a three bladed head. So kind of swapped it over. I'm curious to. Fly See. that and then come out and fly my uh, my 285 6S Oxy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that one's fun. <laughs> it's fun. How about you, Fred? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, next for me in the hobby. Well, um, this weekend, or depending on if it's this is posted on Friday, I guess, um, tomorrow, uh, I'm helping coordinate an FPV race at the local farm. There's a uh, nice farm in there that puts on this big month long fall festival hay rides and corn mazes and uh the the one of the one of the family members had asked me if i could put them in contact with some drone people and uh so yeah sure enough one of the local uh, multi-gp chapters is going to be hosting a race there so kind of excited about that you know any of those drone people yeah that, that was kind of the way it went uh <laughs> so. nice and uh he says you know what, what do you think about you know get some drones here to <laughs> trying to draw some more audience in is what they're trying to do and we'll see how it works uh, out that's cool um I'm, I'm hoping to bring some of my my rc stuff you know beyond just the quadcopter type stuff uh i i had actually put up some feelers to some of the local clubs hoping that maybe they'd want to put up a display themselves and try to draw some folks in but no no takers on it i think that's it for me the hobby for the immediate future cool all right so should we wrap it up wrap it up okay Facebook likes. We are at 685 likes. That's plus two this week, which one of them I feel like we've already said, but... I know we've said that. Yeah. All right. So, cue the music real quick, because it's going to be over in a split second. Staff Sergeant David Jones and then Adam YC 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 
All right. What? It wasn't over that quick. <laughs> Facebook comments. What do we got? As far as Facebook comments goes, um, on the last episode we had 94 with uh, George from Scorpion, uh, Gina Tucker commented another fantastic episode. I've fallen a bit behind on listening. Shame on you, Gina. <laughs> because of the Crapacane Irma. <laughs> I think she meant Hurricane. Crapacane. <laughs> yeah but uh no you know what i didn't even think about um all our our friends except for frank who was down in miami you know i didn't even think about gina i've i've heard from everybody else fred obviously and uh and uh our buddy joel from the ft community cast and uh-huh. so it's good to hear from gina i'm glad she's all right and and probably dealing with a little bit of cleanup yeah she was uh she was posting tonight yeah mm-hmm. as far as website comments go mm-hmm. we heard from javier and he posted a video of him doing some stuff on the sim, which was cool to see. And uh, we also heard from a guy named Darren who asked, is there any way for non-iPhone users to download your podcast other than through Podbean? They are now no longer allowing me to download your podcast directly to my phone from their website. The only way uh, he can do it is to download it to his phone and not through an app, something like that. You, you and he might have to go through an app instead of downloading it directly. That's probably. He says the only way they'll now allow me to download it is if I waste space on their app or if I download it to a computer and then manually transfer it to his phone. Hmm. He finds both of these options unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of lame. Really? It is. Yeah, you should be able to stream it. Uh, you know what I used to use? I used to use an app. I don't know if it's on Android, but it's called. Um, oh, crap. Now I can't remember what it was called. Uh, Pod Bay was the app I used to use. I don't know if it's just iPhone specific. Yeah, but um, well, I think I think his whole point is he didn't want to download any app. <laughs> he just wanted to get it directly instead of having to um, download app. Because if he has a download app, might as well just download the Pod Bay app then. Um, yeah. We'll look into that. I'll see if uh, if we could also set up the feed to go to another. Um, you know, it's basically an RSS feed that that gets pushed out. So. See if that, yeah, he if wants I, to directly download it to his phone without using an app. Yeah, let me see if there's a, a way to do that. And if there is, we'll let you know in the next episode for sure. Um, I do have one thing to comment too. Um, John Hamill emailed us uh, about the, the real flight sim and Steve's Helly's room. I actually met John yeah. at, at Fall Mo now. Because <laughs> he oh, asked okay. me, he was like, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, do, do you have, like, can I get the password again? I was like, oh, yeah, that's not my room. I don't, <laughs> if I do host a room in, on a uh, real flight, it's usually free for RC or um, it could be CP Helis or RC Heli Hangouts. Like, I kind of run those because those are the groups that I'm part of that I'll just, you know, post up and let people know that, hey, you know, we've got a, uh, a room set up if you guys want to join me simming. But yeah, I don't know who owns Steve's Heli's, um, you know, real flight room, but. I don't know. If he's a listener, let us know because we have a lot of folks that probably want to get in there and, and fly. So <laughs> it's nice. I should just do a I should just do a Steve's F- FFRC's heli room <laughs> and just yeah. host that. So that way people could just go in there. Nice. Awesome. All right. So any other website comments? Uh not that I no? saw this week. All right. People of Podbean. Uh, I got a couple of things on Podbean real quick. Uh-huh. Bombad Radio started following us and Gina Tucker liked episode 90 through 94. 
Nice. And BBGHJ <laughs> liked episode 92 through 94. Ooh, binge listeners, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> thanks for all the likes. Yeah. All right. iTunes reviews. And I saw nothing new on iTunes. I did talk to uh, Mr. Ninja himself, <laughs> Joe. The pissed off Filipino? Was he mad at me? Yeah, the for bad saying shit that? Off, whatever he called the himself. bad shit Filipino? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Joe well, Ray. that's because I think I said something yes, at the yes, end of one of the like, episodes. You know, Kevin was saying all the stuff, and I was like, I had to do a review. I, I don't even go into iTunes, but I went in there and, and sent you guys a review. So thanks, Joe. Thanks for He's listening. He's probably pissed he couldn't <laughs> strangle me this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, dude, there was a lot of people like, where's Kevin? Like, yeah, no, I said there was a lot of people who wanted to strangle you. <laughs> well, that's why they wanted to know where you were. At. Yeah, where's Kevin? No, uh, but okay. Drop us an iTunes review, and we'll read the review on the next episode. Email us at freefrc at gmail dot com. Uh, Alex, if people want to get in touch with you, have questions about, uh, you know. MSH Stop. helicopters or brain <laughs> or you know you in general want to talk to you. Sure. You know? uh, yeah, you can uh, shoot me an email at alex at mshusa.com. Awesome. Also, go to mshusa.com and buy yourself a Protos Max. There you go. Or Brain. <laughs> yes, Brains. We got Brains. Yes. That should be one of your, <laughs> that should be station slogans. We got brains. We got brains. Yes, you know? brains. You know, and, and do yeah, a zombie. The zombie crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. do a zombie. That's true. I mean, zombies zombie could edition. sell. Zombie zombie, edition of the zombies, zombies could sell fly barless. You're right. That's yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. Uh, like us on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash/reforc podcast. Check out our webpage reforcpodcast.com. Say hi to Chris Rybert. Hi, Chris Rybert. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Right. <laughs> Let us know if you want us to add anything. Flight test forums, off the field, audio and video production, other than flight test podcast, free for RC podcast, sitting next to our friends, the FT Community Cast. Hey, Patch Old Mike. All right. Hey, Are, uh, hmm? I might Fred, you're, <laughs> Fred, you're killing us. Flying Monkey is flying monkey wrenches into our <laughs> outro. <the> flow. <laughs> <laughs> RC Heli Hangouts Forum, other RC Heli Hangouts main section, podcast corner, and free for RC podcast, sitting next to our other friends. RC Heli Hooligans podcast. Hey, Walt Ned. All right. Uh, thank you, Alex, for taking the time to come on our show. And uh, thanks, and you guys, thanks, Alex. Be a wealth of information. It's great. Yeah. I had a good time. Thanks a lot, guys. Anytime. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks to our listeners, Free Our Skies, and we'll see you next time. All right. See you. Bye. Nice. Bye. It's right. only uh, only eight o'clock here. Is it like eleven o'clock there? Yeah, eleven. Yeah. Eleven. Ooh. Ouch. Then Steve goes back to work tomorrow after six months. Ah.